Bada boom, bada bing, party people, and welcome to another edition of Talking During Movies. I'm your host, Jason Jepson. This is the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation. And today we got a doozy, folks. The man, the myth, the legend, the future spokesman of all things hair products and all things abs. Don't worry when the power goes out. I know where I'm doing my laundry. That's right. The king of washboards himself, Mark Harley. How are you, sir? I'm doing phenomenal very early in the morning over here, but uh, what better movie to watch at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time than Fight Club, one of my all-time faves. And, uh, you know, as I sat down to think about this particular movie and all the themes of masculinity and, uh, and fitness to a degree, because they're all fighting and getting in shape. And, you know, th there are some really interesting things uh, as far as what I'm now talking about on my Haters Will Say podcast. So... Uh, I can't wait to dive in. Hey, so tell people real quick, where can they find you if they don't know about you? Your <laughs> podcast, you've got, by the way, your Instagram's awesome. You know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my Instagram is at Hella Mark Harley, and that's the same everywhere else. Uh, you can find me on, you know, Twitter, uh, et cetera, uh, YouTube. My personal page is at Hella Mark Harley, but my podcast page is Haters Will Say, which you can find on YouTube has its own standalone page and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcast. So on that podcast, we talk about fitness, gym fails, life in general, uh, not totally limited to fitness, um, tangential topics, even went into the psychedelics and personality archetypes from last episode. So it's all there. And I try to keep it interactive and answer fan questions, et cetera. And then, you know, just general fitness advice. So nice. I love it. Well, let's yeah. hit play here. And um, as we do that and the, the, the movie kicks off, I do, um, mm -hmm. I, want, I want to kick off on one thing I found that's fascinating. I saw this the other day. And should I do a three, two, one for the movie start? Or did you already start it? I just did. Go ahead and hit play. Okay. Three, and now. Two, one, uh -huh. now. Yeah. Should be getting that 20th Century Fox. There we go. Yep. Up. We're beauty. So I saw this the other day and I, I wanted to get your take on this. Uh, NPR comes out. And they say that if you are in, if you're pushing for people to be healthier, as far as in shape goes, number one, yeah. you're fat phobic. That's a new thing. <laughs> and also racist. Now, as a person who used to be over 300 pounds and was a yeah. fat piece of shit and out of shape and just drank and ate pizza every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was unhealthy. My body yeah. still feels that pain of... 10 years of being 300 pounds. 
Yeah. What, where did we turn a corner in this world where you can't better yourself? In fact, you're celebrated for hurting yourself. Yeah, it's such an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I always have to like, catch myself not falling into the tropes of going like the woke culture in the you know because i want to analyze that as a separate phenomenon of, of what it in fact is when we're telling people things are fat phobic um you know the first thing that comes to mind is just a general i mean which like you could make other arguments about pc language or hyper pc language like we're divorcing like scientific phenomenon from like language accuracy you know, so um, I, I don't think it should ever be taboo to describe things uh, precisely. And so if you are overweight, I don't think that should be a taboo to say so. I don't think it should be a taboo to discuss the potential uh, health pitfalls of being overweight. The whole fat phobic thing. I mean, even I just like breaking down that word. Like anytime somebody's like, you know, whether it's transphobic, homophobic, whatever, like phobic, like I do think those like there are legitimate phobic attitudes, but like, I'm not scared of fat people. I don't think anybody's scared of fat people. You know, you might be like fat judgmental or something like that. And I do think, you know, you, I think you can also, you can have empathy for, for overweight people and also, <clears throat> um, you know, be an advocate for them losing weight. I don't think those two things are intention. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you don't have to be a uh, hypercritical of somebody or like, I, I, I would never, I, I have an overweight brother. I have like, you know, people are obese in my family. And so I've, I've seen it up close, how, how it can hurt people to be made fun of. And so I've always tried to lead with positivity. And if I see like a family member of mine who's gaining weight, I will, you know, the last thing I want to do is shame them. You know, I want to uh, encourage them to, hey, let's go take a walk, like to get them back started on that track. And I just don't, I think that's such a different phenomenon that we're being totally disingenuous if you correlate you know, an encouragement of somebody getting in shape with some sort of shading, you know, which it sounds like people are doing. I mean, to say that it's racist and fat phobic is like, you know, I, I, it sounds like satire. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> and even, yeah, it does sound like satire. And I remember that Joe Rogan, like, well, the guy was on Joe Rogan, but he was talking about, <clears throat> um, they did these like prank articles mm -hmm. where they're, they're encouraging fat bodybuilding. It does kind of sound like that, right? Uh, where it's indis indistinguishable between satire and reality. So I would, you know, I'd actually love to read the article and see what the exact argument is, but I can't uh, say that I imagine there's any merit to it whatsoever. You know, like I'm open to it. Maybe, maybe there's something I'm not getting, but I just have a really hard time picturing what that argument would be. That sure, would absolutely. To believe <laughs> that, yeah, and I, and I wonder, you know, uh, for, for you, it's, it, you live in two worlds of precision and I, and I, I wanna ask how you got there. You're very precise in the words you choose and, and, and how you choose to articulate yourself. Even in the funny moments, you can tell you've put thought into, into being humorous and what that means and, and you're efficient with your words. And at the same time, you obviously do the same with your physique. It's rare to see those two bridged together. It really yeah. is. What, what was the base for you that, that brought in the, the intellectual and the physical side paralleling quite well together yeah that's an interesting question because i think you see it more and more these days like mm -hmm. that used to be a big stereotype and i've had many people over the years like express stereotypes and i think that probably happens to anybody anybody who's like doesn't look exactly 
like how they really are, you know, like you've experienced some form of like, oh, I thought you're going to be like this and you're actually like this. But um, the sort of meathead stereotype is interesting because I, we can all say it's true to some degree that, you know, your average guy who spends all day in a gym might not be the smartest tool in the shed or whatever, or just a jock, like take athletes in general, right? I played sports growing up. I know a lot of dumb athletes. Um, I was just always the guy, um, I, you know, I would describe it as a curiosity because <clears throat> I was like, now I've, over the years, I've expected people to sort of be as curious as me. I'm like, don't you want to learn about like, you know, health and nutrition and anabolics and sets and like, but that's only going to be a small percentage of people, right? That's so you just have to accept that like, some people just want to be told what to do. And that's fine. Like, and I'm happy to talk to, to anybody about that. Um, but I know I'm just in this smaller portion of people. So whether it comes to like, I was just always very curious about what I was reading the magazines, I was reading the books, I was trying to figure it out for myself. Um, <clears throat> because I wanted to know if I saw the goal of like, I want to get my muscles big, I was very curious, like, exactly, how do I do that? And um, I think I realized very quickly that most guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about, even big guys. And I always say that I'm like, don't come up to me and think that just because I have muscles, uh, that I have any sort of expertise on building muscles, it's not necessarily true, right? And so I'll try to like lead with that and, and say, uh, you know, my, my physical appearance shouldn't imply to you that I have any sort of expertise. In this case, it does, but maybe you'd recognize that from hearing me talk, hearing my recommendations, but always stopping short of like, I know what I know, and there's many things that I don't know, um, mm -hmm. but I'm always curious to experiment and i've always been um so like first it came through diet and exercise you know i was like figuring out how to get muscle and i would just like i talk to guys who are in the gym and and they'd be like oh yeah like I, I work my shoulders by doing reverse curls and i'm like oh you don't know what you're talking about you know <laughs> like you just it was surprisingly but like again if you're in a gym and you like you have decent genetics and you lift hard enough weights like you know uh you're going to get results of some sort um so uh, that's uh you know something that you also again like you have to divorce that from you know the two being coupled um <clears throat> and then when it came to anabolics too which is another you know interesting topic i think more it's less taboo these days so i got more questions these days with guys who are like curious about it because it used to kind of be like you know this binary of like you're a steroid using cheat disgusting drug user you know what i mean like or now we're figuring out like oh like millions of guys are on TRT and they're not, it's not really the same as abusing steroids, like to be a pro bodybuilder and you can do it in a healthy way, but you just have to know what you're doing. I was always curious to research that. And over the years, okay. guys would come to me and be like, Oh, what should I take or whatever? And <clears throat> I was just always the guy like researching the compounds, like, you know, in the year 99, 2000 among <laughs> the internet, like, you know, on these bodybuilding forums, searching out how to do it. And I just, yeah, I guess I've always just been curious. And I think, with the, the precision with language, I do think it's important. And maybe I'm naturally inclined towards that, but I think it's very important that you express yourself precisely when it comes to things like that. Sure. You know, <clears throat> because <clears throat> if you're speaking in general terms about taking, for example, anabolic steroids or even diet, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, ah, I eat a lot of protein. Well, what does that mean? Can we measure it? Yes, we can. So why not try to be as precise as possible? And I just appreciate the channels that I watch on YouTube, guys like Jeff Nippert that are sort of maybe borderline autistic even with their desire for precision. You know, I feel like I, I bridge that gap of like, I appreciate those guys. I'm not that guy, but at the same time, I really like 
that they put an extra emphasis on precision over, let's say, charisma, you okay. know, because people in the fitness industry, especially, uh, can be very persuasive by relying on charisma. And I think that's where we get into the trap of like that one trick, you know, yeah, <laughs> everybody's yeah. selling you something. So if you're persuaded by charisma or your red flags don't go up when somebody's trying to pitch you something with charisma, then I think you're going to fall for that. Do you see, I've seen, you know, with the kickoff of COVID, I've seen two very interesting things happen and maybe have been around for a while and I'm just a knucklehead. Uh, yeah. But one, the, the uptick in people taking peptides and, you uh -huh. know, injectable because they're like, that's the best way for your body to absorb it, what I've read. Yeah. And then two, this push of fitness now where you've got these yoked guys and they're like, no yeah. weights, don't worry, at home. The, the, Herthel, the Herschel Walker myth, right? Of like, right. I just did push-ups, sit-ups, right. and I'm the best fucking athlete in the world, bro. And it's yeah. like, no, Herschel, you're special. You're, yeah. you're in Mensa. Your body's in Mensa. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think people should always, and that's part of this, um, like the BS in fitness is creating unrealistic expectations for people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in order to sell them something that's totally idealized and that they'll never be able to, to get given the program or the product that somebody's selling, like you'll see a, like a juiced up bodybuilder, you know, selling you some like sort of like banded thing. And it's like, now bands are great, but they're not going to make you look like that. So <laughs> I would just like to see, you know, greater honesty in, in fitness and but because you can do so much with, with home workouts, it's just, you're not going to look like Herschel Walker, you know what I mean? Yeah. No matter how many pushups you do. And maybe, and he even could be lying, you know what I mean? Because it's always like, well, was he natural? Was he actually doing weights? And just like, it's a better story to say he did a bunch of pushups. Um, we'll never know. And so many people lie in fitness. It's just insane. I mean, you have guys like Mike O'Hearn, who's clearly been like, you know, using anabolic steroids for decades now, claiming he's natural. And, you know, he's like 50 years old and just like, you know, has the physique of a 20 year old. And it's just like, you get it because I, I don't think like a guy like that would just suddenly be like, psych, like actually, like there's no incentive for him to do that. And he's in a world where it wasn't incentivized and, and it was heavily frowned upon to be open about anabolic steroids until very recently, you yeah. know, but at the same time, yes, most of the time you're being sold something that's unrealistic when I think if you were just to, to change the message, or at least my message is like, get going. And if you are like, especially during the pandemic, I started training people online and you could do a tremendous amount uh, with people with literally no equipment, or for example, add one kettlebell, add yeah. one pull-up bar, like add one pair of bands and you can really do a lot in a short period of time. Like I'd, I, I've had clients where two sessions a week of about 20 to 30 minutes, you know, over the course of a year consistently yielded tremendous results where they could barely do a pull-up and now they're doing 25 in a row. Um, you know, so and that's pretty cool. Like if, if somebody pitched that to me, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a great improvement. You don't need to like think you look like a bodybuilder at the end of it. But guess what? Like the main benefit to me is not how you look. It's how you feel. You know? Absolutely. I mean, and I, I think the biggest fuck up I made when doing the pandemic and working out at home is I bought a kettlebell and I bought a 35 yeah. pound kettlebell. Uh-huh. And I was like, I should have bought a 20 pound kettlebell. Ah, Okay. You know, it's like, right. I'm trying to like, I see, you know, I'm watching the Onyx clips and I'm like, oh, man. they're like, they, they're doing five sets of 10 this way. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's 30 minutes. How many of these can, and I've got this 35 pound. I'm like, oh, I'm a moron. This is actually 35 pounds is heavy folks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you're judging it from like, okay, what's your max lift? But you know, anytime I do, um, 
you know, like I could, sure, I could like press that up, but it's like, all right, like yeah. do 10. I could probably do 20. I could maybe do 25, but then like do another set. It's like, it's super exhausting. So yes, that, and I actually got a 90 pound kettlebell over the, uh, the because that was the only one left, like on it, put it on sale. Remember there was like no kettlebells. You couldn't buy yeah. it anywhere. Um, and so it came on and it was like, I, I saw the Joe Rogan posted, like we're restocking kettlebells. And then it was either the lightest one or the heaviest one was the only one that they had left. It took like four months to be delivered. It showed up like out of the package at my doorstep. Like the whole thing had been ripped off. UPS tried to deliver like four times. And I know it was somebody on the truck being like, I'm not going to like, you go to lift it. And it's like a 92 pound kettlebell. Um, I know like somebody must've just been on the truck. Like I ain't fucking taking this shit out to somebody's door. Um, <laughs> it literally arrived. Like the, the box had been like ripped off and destroyed, you know, because they probably like tried to pick it up by the box and it came out. Um, but you can do certain things with it. It's just, you have to know like what, you know, so for example, uh, like kettlebell swings, those, that's a really good exercise to go heavy with, you know, if you're going to do something, but um, it does limit what you can do. But I think most body weight exercises are things like a push-up. If you can't do a push-up, you could do a push-up against the counter or on your knees. Mm -hmm. And you can also then, you know, once it gets easy to do a regular push-up, then you can elevate your feet until you're doing a handstand push-up. So yeah. there's this infinite variability um, not infinite, but like a, a, a big, big variability, variability on, on the difficulty level you can do with these. Um, and like, you know, if pull-ups are easy for you, great. You're already in shape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right? I mean, but like, <laughs> but most people are striding with a point where they can't do one. So, mm -hmm. you know, you get some, you get some bands for assistance or get like some of those U-shaped bars that are really good for dips and body weight rows. So you're like putting your feet on the ground and pulling yourself up like that. And then you work up to a pull-up. <laughs> Do you, um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, right? It's, uh, we, we talked, we touched on this lightly, uh, before we started recording, you know, as I did my first jujitsu class and yeah. it was, you know, a black belt, a purple belt, and a guy who's a black belt in Taekwondo, who's, you know, kicking off jujitsu and then knock, knock, who's never right. wrestled, never done any, any, I mean, I play basketball Yeah. and yeah. I got my, it's funny because I was terrible at basketball because I wrestled, you know, <laughs> or like, like, it's just like. People would always be like, oh, it's clear what this guy was doing during the winter you it's know, like, as far as sports. I'm so bad. Yeah. Moved him, moved him right out of the key across half court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, I embraced and I do embrace, I mean, I got my ass kicked for an hour. I'm going to yeah. lose a toenail. That's the worst thing that I, you know, I wasn't positioning my feet right. So the mats, the tops of my feet, flesh is gone, got bruises. Yeah. But I like that humility. I like being brought down yeah. to my, to, to my rawness. And I, and I wonder, you know, for you, when was the first time in your, in your growth as, as, as a man, where you were really like, just, you were knocked down to, to ground zero. You were the guy who was there and everyone else was the expert or at least had a yeah. background in something. And, and then it's just you. And you're like, I just want to try it. Yeah. I would say, um, a couple things come to mind. I would say first would be skateboarding because wow. if you've ever tried to do like, um, and I could probably still do, a, I have a skateboard, I could do like a kickflip, but like these basic moves, like learning how to ollie, learning how to kickflip, learning how to just ride a board. Everybody starts at that level where you have no mastery of this thing that's not attached to your feet, you know? And I've gone on and since like snowboarded and done other things and surfed, but it's like, um, the two things about skateboards not attached to your feet and you also fall on concrete. So I would say <laughs> that like, you know what I mean? Like I broke my ankle skateboarding and, and have 
all these like you know lingering injuries like all my hands like my fingers like bend all the way you know like if you can see my yeah because you know, like, just because like if you fall a thousand times on your hands you know um but it's just something where you start out at zero like um and i did like rollerblading too where you're doing tricks on rollerblades but they're attached to your feet so you like you, you already have this leg up like learning but learning how to master a skateboard with your feet is just something that uh is insanely difficult to even just ride it along in the street and i and i always see anytime somebody hops on a skateboard for the first time like oh i want to try that i'm always like wait have you ridden a skateboard before because if you haven't most people will think that it's much easier than it actually is hop on and eat shit backwards you know mm -hmm. um so it's just something that i have the utmost respect and appreciation for the thousands of hours of mastery that it comes to because i've seen how difficult it is just to do that the most basic move that all other moves are predicated on the ollie you know to get both wheels off the ground at the same time and land back on it can take months you know to learn how to do and some people may never even learn how to do it like i've seen that people where it's like oh you just <laughs> you lack the athleticism and coordination to even do the most basic move in skateboarding and then the second thing i would say is playing football because i never played football my my neighbor convinced me to do it because i guess i was big you know, you're always looking for tall kids to recruit and, and uh, be on the team. You want more bodies. So um, I just remember being like having no idea how to tackle, how to like any of the rules. I didn't know anything about football. Um, I was also like hazed by the older guys, you know, like they're, they're telling you what to do. And then I just remember that feeling of being like, as you said, completely beaten down and humbled doing double days for the first time you know, in the California summer heat and just feeling like this was like the least enjoyable thing <laughs> because you're like, not only is it physically difficult, but there's no reward because you're not good at it. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not getting any sort of reward or encouragement and people are just generally being mean to me from the coaches to the players and all that. And I am thankful for my football journey. Like, you know, I got most improved that year and then became like, you know, by the, my senior year player of the year and went on to play at a small college and, you know, did okay there. Um, I, I got rewarded from it at, and attained mastery, I think would be maybe the more important thing, but it took years. And I just remember feeling like uh, with football specifically, like wrestling, and I also went on, like maybe had a little bit of a head start with wrestling. Cause like, if you're coming from football and maybe you get a few lessons, like you're not totally humbled in the same way or my learning curve was a little bit better with when I started wrestling um but with football when you're being dominated you know it's embarrassing and humiliating and same with wrestling and jujitsu but like to be like knocked over you know what I mean yeah. it's like having a having another like grown man like run at you and like literally put you on your ass you know like in front of all these other people um I think some of the most humiliating moments have come from football but I'm very glad about my decision to keep with it because there were many long stretches of time where I could ask myself, like, what am I getting out of this? And my answer at the time would have been nothing. Yeah. So. <laughs> but the, you know, the, the growth, it was funny yesterday. I I'm playing the bottom, right. In jujitsu and the, the guys, you know, I said, I just want to, I don't know any defense, but I just want to feel defense if you will. And I just want to, I want to try this. Let me just, let's, let's feel the, I just want to know what it's like to have the offense come at me. <clears throat> yeah. Purple belt guys like great. Yeah. I swing my legs around. I, I hook my ankles and I think I'm doing awesome. Mark, I yeah. hold him for three minutes in my, in between my legs. He can't break out. And I think uh -huh. I'm, I'm like, Hey man, 
look at me. Well, there's yeah. another round, asshole. And now my <laughs> legs are wet spaghetti. And now yeah. and he was teaching me a very valuable lesson. Like jujitsu chess, it's strategy. It's not always just raw strength. He's like, man, you got yes. strong legs and it's your first day, but just learn it's not all about strength. You know, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's other aspects to this game. And it was so much fun for me because then I'm just I'm toasted. I mean, now I'm holding on yeah. with my arms. And now, I, I mean, I, I can't even tie my shoes at the end because I'm just using stuff I haven't used before. And the guys yeah. are super nice. I mean, they're obviously much more accomplished than I am. And I'm glad they kicked my butt. I'm, I'm, you, know, I'm, I, you know, I'm tapping and, and spinning around and trying stuff. And it's, uh, but it's those moments. It's that time where I get a look back and go, you know, how did I challenge myself today? Not only work-wise, but then physically yeah. did I do something that, you know, made me put forth effort or see the world differently. And, and, yes. and those little things are fun in yes, my mind. And I do, yes, and I do think um, when you're being real with yourself, those are like, you know, I guess it's sort of something that's, that's obvious that like you're not going to grow from non-challenging situations, but as you become an adult, to actually put yourself in those situations voluntarily, you know, it, be, it does become hard to seek that out. But jujitsu is something I want to seek out myself. But I know, like, I'm going to experience something similar to that, maybe have a little bit more wherewithal because of the wrestling background. And even just as you said, like, understanding um, how to distribute your energy over the course of, uh, you know, six minutes or something like that, because that's another thing you don't realize, like how long six minutes can be until you're like, you know, contracting every muscle in your body to try to prevent another human from, you know, suffocating you. Um, but it's, uh, it's extremely exhausting and uh, gives you an appreciation for even, I remember I used to leave like the first few practices of every wrestling season, uh, you'd feel your neck really be sore. Cause even if you are in shape, you know, even if you do lift weights, there's going to be some muscles that you just don't work and the neck is one of them, you know, and as you're saying, like even the, the tops of your feet and all these little things that like, you know, if you're doing it every day, you'll become calloused and, and conditioned in certain ways, or even just understand how to not, you know, scrape up your, your feet or whatever. But um, those, those first days back, it's like, oh yes, this is, oh, right. That's what I was using yesterday or using these parts of your body that you just don't even realize. Um, but yeah, I think those are all essential for growth and you know i try to incorporate that in little ways like <clears throat> one of my little things that i have control over you know that i actually picked up again during covid was doing hill runs um yeah. because i feel like like that um never gets easy you know what i mean like i have this little run that i do from ventura boulevard up to um, mulholland it's a steep incline yeah. for about 2.2 miles and i would just like time myself every day and so i'd alternate between flat runs and hill runs but like like running uphill never gets like you can can't really do it casually you know what I mean like even if you're keeping a slow pace like the slowest uphill pace is still sort of demanding but I would race against myself and it's just one of those things that like I think it's cool to have muscles you know but I think a lot of people who um or in my experience like people who lift weights to get bigger muscles often don't really care about having like a high intensity cardio capacity maybe like crossfit people are a good example of like people that actually do you know they're like jacked and they can fucking run a mile really fast and do all these other things i think that's personally cool and i just think it's cool to like 
you know, to be able to think, yeah, I'm strong. And also like, you know, if I had to outrun a, a bear or something, I could <laughs> have a fighting chance. Um, you know, so I like to be able to do both these things and, uh, and just, and hill runs is just one of those humbling things where it's like, I can get better at it, you know, and, and if I'm really out of shape, I'll work up to like going straight through. Um, but I like tracking the mental progress of like, you have all these little, like, even when I'm good at it and I, I you know, cause at first they'll be like, all right, I've had to stop seven times and, you know, for 20 seconds each. And next time I'm going to do six times for 20 sure. seconds each until I can run it continuously. And then I'm going to start trying to beat my time each time. Um, cause I'm just a big believer in like, just whatever you're doing, it's, it's not necessary. Like I still get a good workout from just doing it, but I think it keeps you mentally engaged and invigorated and excited by life to try to beat yourself, like in the weight room by a rep or a pound or whatever. And when you're running a hill, it just, you know, it's something to look forward to like a video game. You're trying to level up, you know, yeah. it, it turns, it turns these things into games. And I'm sure you'll experience that with jujitsu where it's like, you know, oh, next time I'm going to last a little bit longer. I'm not going to get <laughs> choked out as many times in one practice. And that's <laughs> something to hang your hat on. Otherwise, you're going through the motions. And whenever I talk to people who are simply going through the motions, um, it lacks meaning, you know, um, like they, it, it, you can't sustain motivation or discipline to do that because you don't have any meaning behind it. There's no meaning for you to be disciplined, no reason to. And that's one of these things that, you know, I've been wanted to break in with like the themes of Fight Club and why I want yeah, to please. You know, talk about this. But um, a couple of things off the top of my head is I just see it as like a big treatise on like male meaning, you know, finding meaning like through conflict and through fighting. And obviously this guy is in a job that um, he just finds it's like the most morbid uh, job that you could have going to these crash sites and analyzing the death count. But he's so detached <clears throat> from the actual emotions of all the death that he witnesses on a weekly basis <clears throat> um <clears throat> excuse me and he finds meaning like through the real life stakes and consequences of like physical violence and i just always find that is one element of like meaning that i think is a man like when you face the reality like on a football field or jujitsu like you put yourself in these positions that like sort of mimic the life and death you know, that I think our ancestors did not to get too like, our ancestors did it like this. So we must carry on this tradition, like the liver king. Um, you know, I, I just but I do think there is something primal about that for men specifically to engage in things that sort of like mimic combat. I think it's, a, it's an amazing way to bond as he like bonds with all these guys through the fight club. Um, and even in these, the groups that he would go to, you know, for for men with testicular cancer, you know, um, that's another way that he's finding meaning is through community, like community and purpose. And I think these are like, you could analyze this movie almost through this lens of like the, the pillars of like happiness, <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Like ditch the materialism, uh, find, uh, you know, meaning by putting yourself through difficult circumstances, um, find a community, right? Like I remember uh, hearing this guy, Johan Hari on the Joe Rogan podcast talk about, um, I don't know if you've listened to him, but he's like a big, a big like depression and addiction yeah. guy. And yeah, what he said was kind of mind blowing to me in the sense that he debunks like the chemical hooks model of addiction, you mm -hmm. know, where it's like you take heroin once and you're going to be addicted. And it's like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. And even when we look at the rat studies that we used to say, like, you know, the rat will choose cocaine over food if you let him eat it. And it's like, well, yeah, if he's alone in a cage with nothing else to do, sure, the cocaine is going to be more fun. But then the moment you open him up to like 
being able to play and have friends and like do other things that are like fun and have community and purpose for the rat or the human like you know if the rat if the, if the human has friends and he has a job that he likes and he can go uh you know have recreational fun outdoors like all of a sudden the drugs become much less interesting but yeah. a community is a big part of that and obviously there's been a decline in um, well, it's, it's know, interesting because we see, uh, yeah. we see Brad Pitt come in here, right? This alter ego, this inside trying to come out, this, this masculine energy trying to come out, this bonding energy, if you will, and, you know, tying it into what you were just saying about, you know, the, the rats and cocaine. I mean, I talk about this sometimes in the podcast. Uh, I don't, you know, I, 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 I am very careful with some of the stuff that I've done in the past, you know, when I, because, um, I don't, like I like certain things. Like I love edibles, yeah. I love drinking beer, yeah. love shrooms, but yeah. I can take them and then just never take them again. It doesn't affect yeah. me. I can have 20 beers tonight and wake up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. and feel fantastic yeah. and not care. And so I look at, you know, I go, oh, well, it's just, it's, you know, are, are you built a little bit differently in how you handle things? And then you got to go take one step back and go, is it physical or how much of this is mental? How much yeah. of this is that little person, that Brad Pitt in the back of your head that says, I'm not going to let this win. You're going to just, you know what? You're better at, you know, th this was fun. I'm glad you had a good time, but now we're going back over here. Now it's the real world. Yeah. And it's that, you know, those mental stability pieces for, you know, for me, it was a guy named Brooks Bear, who was a mentor of mine and a premier thought leader in the world of psychology. And I ask you as growing up as a kid, you know, was it grandparents? Was it parents? What gave you your foundation for, for mental strength? Yeah. Oh, you're asking me. Not yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see, that's a really good question because I feel like, um, you know, here's one little thing that immediately comes to mind is both my uh, parents were swimmers and my dad um, was like a champion swimmer in high school and then went on to do like a lot of open water swimming in the Bay Area and a lot of these like routes, like I remember yeah, I had a friend you, in the middle- Was your dad just playing with sharks? <laughs> he was, yeah. I, it's kind of funny, like, because I'd be scared shitless to do it. It was funny because he was like, he'd be scared of like a mouse. Like, I remember like, like if he saw a mouse, he'd be like, oh God, like it, maybe it was like some childhood trauma he said like where he had, but I'm just like, ah, you're a pussy. But um, I, like he had the balls to get into, uh, you know, the bay, which I would just never do. Like I would be scared of sharks, you know, yeah. like that's a much bigger fear for me is like being eaten alive by some animal that I can't see. But he would go in and do these various routes where he was like the first person to do like, Angel Island to Alcatraz, you know, whatever it was, like he crisscrossed the bay and do these various swims for the sake of being like the first person to do it. Um, and he actually passed away, like doing an open water swim in Brooklyn um, it, when he was 59, but that was like, you know, I'm shrinking his whole journey down to like, he was into open water swimming. He got really unhealthy after he had kids, like stress and, you know, life in general, like he got out of shape became diabetic, became obese, all these things, and then like was getting back into it. But I think some of this damage, like he had a heart attack and I think some of the damage is irreversible at some point, you know, if you eat like shit and clog your arteries for, for years and years and years, I'm not blaming him. I wish I, you know, would have maybe intervened more. So it's something I think about of being like, you know, trying to like show him more or guide him. But, I, you know, there's just so many unknowns as far as like what exactly caused it and would this have happened anyway, even if he wasn't swimming or what, you know, um, didn't get unhealthy, you never know. 
but um i would say for me because he like encouraged us to swim and swimming to this day is the most difficult thing that i've ever done as far as just like just finishing the workout you know because you can kind of like you can half-ass it through like a foot like a football workout might be like three hours long a football but you're not doing mm -hmm. shit the whole time you know what i mean you're standing around okay you're going to take some physical damage but like at some point you're on the sidelines drinking water this and that Swimming is like you get in the pool and you're warming up and even the warm up is hard. And then like you're keeping going and like the rest between sets is like 10 seconds. You know, it's like, all right, we're going to do like 10 hundreds on the, you know, the minute 10. And it's like you have to be swimming fast enough to come back and get the rest to get to the next. And I just remember being like in during swimming, I'd be like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. But like quitting wasn't an option. Um, and my dad was always and my mom were very encouraging of those kind of, uh, you know, athletic endeavors. And I think probably, you know, like literally something like swimming gave me this foundation of like, yeah, this is going to be very uncomfortable and you're going to push through and you're not going to complain about it. So I just, I just felt like, you know, complaining about it wasn't an option. My parents were never big complainers. Like, even though they didn't do everything right, I don't have any memories of like being like oh my god it sucks like and <laughs> so I don't know if like they ever necessarily called me but like you know there, there were times also when um like if I wasn't doing well in school like my dad would be very upset like I you know he was a really happy guy most of the time but like I remember I was like failing a calculus class and he like came onto the field and like took me off of it you know like it was like he was willing to humiliate me over like underperforming you know, and things, mm -hmm. but in a fair way, it's like, yeah, I was fucking up. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, having parents who, and my dad also did like, um, <clears throat> they were into like triathlons and stuff. And so my dad would wow. just like, like, so I think he was just a, a guy, like when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, he like, he, he enjoyed putting himself through that kind of pain. And you kind of have to like, to do triathlons or any intense exercise, you have to, make that mental connection between um, exertion and suffering and like the enjoyment on the other side. And even whatever you wanna call it, whether it's happiness or enjoyment or calm or whatever, I know, and this is a foundation of my mental health, it's like, if I exert myself and exhaust myself, I will find peace on the other side, sure. right? And I know that if I don't, I've experienced it enough from like, check in with myself and I'm like, God, I'm on edge, I'm angry, I'm stressed, I'm not sleeping well, my heart rate's elevated, and I go, well, did you work out today? And usually that's, you know, it's, it's so over the years I've learned, for example, that um, like nothing is worth skipping workouts. Like you have to get something. And even if you are booked toe to be like, like from the morning till the evening, it's like do 200 mountain climbers, like get a sweat, get your heart rate up and then let it come back down because you're going to be calmer and more resilient for the rest of the day based on that. And doing uncomfortable things is good. And I'm going to say just compared to other people, because I don't like, I don't fetishize that. I don't go like, oh, I'm so tough. And I can put myself through so many difficult things. Like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm willing to, to push myself and, and experience pain. Like I'm no David Goggins, you know, but like, I know I'm maybe closer uh, to that side of the spectrum, at least than other people who sometimes I'll I'll make this differentiation because I okay. just, you know, you know, Chappelle, Chappelle Lacey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, he's an example of a guy who started, who wanted to work out with me and we started working out together. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's an athlete. Like he, he, uh, he shows up on time 
is willing to work, doesn't question what I'm saying, does what I like, just is there to work out and we're not going to talk during it. We're going to talk after or before, but like during the workout, you're going to take it very seriously. And I've noticed that pattern, the main differentiation I make between people that I would train is like, do you have an athletic background or not? Um, because you could make it to 30 years old and, and never been forced to come to terms with your physical limits. You know, like I have thrown up from workouts. I've, you know, not, if not almost passed out, been like, like nauseous to the point you have to like lay down and you can't get up and like you make yourself physically ill. And I'm not saying you should do that, but I think it's interesting to like push yourself to that limit and understand what it's like to go there and not be scared of it. It's just, you can know that it's not always good to do that, but I like knowing that I'm capable of doing that and I can know how to sit in that discomfort for however long it's going to take and come out and maybe have to force myself to throw up, you know, in order to get better. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I've just seen that over time that people who I will work out with sometimes it won't like, if you want to be my lifting partner or you want me to show you what to do, I'm very frustrated with people who, uh, and I try to be patient, but sometimes people don't even know how to go to failure. For example, like on a bench press set, I'll go, go to failure. And they rack it. I'm like, you had 10 more in you. Well, that isn't failure. That isn't, yeah. but it's this basic fear of discomfort. And I'm saying that as in the movie, these two guys are fighting for the first time. And it is, it's kind of like also one of those things where it's like, if you've never been hit in the face, it can be this huge, big, scary thing, right. To be hit in the face. But once you, you've been hit in the face once you're like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. It's not the end of the world. I didn't die. You know, I could do it. Like, sure. It's uncomfortable. It's painful, but, uh, I'd much rather live my life not being in fear of that thing. And I think a lot of people do live in fear of discomfort. And I'm just very happy that I, uh, have experienced a lot of at least physical discomfort and I feel like that that bolsters you know especially as a man your stoicism and your ability to to weather uncomfortable situations and not react emotionally because that's another thing too right? yeah that is it's you know it's emotions a big thing uh, a couple of things one uh over the last year I've really have cut out a lot of carbs and really cut out sugar from my diet which means obviously yeah. a lot of things that I love red wine and beer but I noticed how, and just taking, you know, I, I think it's important. I don't think people do this enough, right? They, they, if they're frustrated or upset or, you know, they're off that day, they, they chalk it up as always oh, off on Saturday and they don't want to yeah. look at their diet or to your point that I work out. And I would look be like, man, I got frustrated with my kid the other day and yeah. deservedly so, but I got too frustrated. Yeah. Right. I mean, she was, fucking around and being rude in the restaurant. She's eight. She's allowed, she's, you know, it's our yeah. friend's restaurant. He's over there chatting with her. They're both goofing off, but I was annoyed by it. And then I realized, oh man, earlier that morning, we went out and got donuts. Yeah. And then I start taking notes and I realized, yeah. oh, you know, when I get frustrated or annoyed quicker, more than likely 99% of the time I've had sugar. And a lot of interesting. It. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but it does make sense because I, like you do have a physiological reaction to these mm -hmm. things. And I remember when I first did keto, for example, I would just notice like, Oh, if I'm going to have a cheat day, you know, and I'll eat a bunch of apple pie or something immediately. I'm like, Oh my, like my mucous membranes are like getting swollen, you know, like you'd kind of almost, it's like a sickness or something, but you would feel because especially 
when you take that completely away, like your body reacts to it. So that's one thing where it's like, I know something physiological is happening. And then I also, the more obvious one is like, you get kind of like lethargic, you don't feel like doing things. And so I would assume that also relates to like, if you don't have the mental energy to fix it in, a, in the most mature way possible, like talking to your kid and being extremely patient, because that takes like this executive function energy. Well, like when you're in a food coma or whatever, like, like when you eat sugar, it's like, I noticed and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to take a nap now. Like weird. And maybe I just took that for granted for so many years that it's like, I have a big meal and I go to sleep. But like, if you're eating healthy, a, a filling meal shouldn't make you feel lethargic afterwards. You no. Know? And it's, it's awesome. Like now, I mean, my snacks are, you know, zero sugar beef jerky. And now I think, yeah. you know, my, what's worth it. Right. And I'm glad it happened to me this way because yeah. if I was just getting frustrated at the office, I'd be like, fuck it, who cares? Have a donut. But it's yeah. my kid. And so it's like, oh, well, I don't mind if she has a donut, but is it worth it for me to ruin yeah. part of our afternoon? Is it? Is it worth it to even take that fucking gamble? And for me, it's yeah. not. Right. So it's like, oh, I'll have a handful of almonds, you know, uh, and I buy just, I mean, I'm, you know, I thank God for all the, I mean, ghost pepper, cayenne, salt, and vinegar, egg, just, just as long as there's, barely any if i'm under 30 carbs a day and 10 grams of sugar i'm having a rock star day yeah and that's where i want to live but also i mean then you know i did it physically without changing a lot in my workouts i instantly lost 20 pounds yeah you know and, and it but more importantly my mental health and my ability to to just stay calm i'm kind of a hothead anyways so yeah. my ability to stay calm was, was, was much more present, much more, yeah. present, you know, and then, yeah. and then I was going to touch on one thing, you know, you're talking about preparing for life, you know, and you're swimming of fuck swimming. Yeah. I mean, it's so I, and also, yeah, I'm such a competitive person. Like I'll go play basketball and I'll see a guy kick my butt in basketball. I'm like, I know why, you know, he's yeah. division one player didn't make it to the NBA. Jay, he's going to take you to school. He's 23. You're 50. These, you know, these are the, these are the worlds. Like, it's just, it's not yeah. fair, but it's the way it is. I can see someone that doesn't look in air quotes, like they're in shape and swim for an hour. They have the technique yeah. down. They've got pace. And I swim up and down three times. And I feel like I've got weights over every inch of my body. But I also like that because I feel like a failure. Right. And so now I've got to yeah. overcome. Now yeah. I've got to do something different. Now I've got to figure it out. You know, yeah. it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, but also what, you know, we're seeing in Fight Club. It's, it's this idea of, will you overcome? Are you just going to fade and just ignore it? And it's yeah. always sitting in the back of your head? Or are you going to keep trying and try to overcome it with pull-ups, swimming? You know, my, my grandfather would take me to his ranch. I was eight years old. Yeah. I swear to God, my parents, my family, I was an experiment to see... Can he live? We'd be, I mean, Montana, central Montana, bears, coyotes, wolves, cougars, eight. Here's a fishing pole. Here's a tackle box. Here's a brown paper bag with your lunch. Go catch enough fish for us to eat tonight. I'll see you later. That's 8 a.m. Then he would pick me up at 5 p.m. <laughs> that sounds insane by modern <laughs> standards. Like that's child abuse, you know, according to mom. But that's, that's it. Well, I mean, what an amazing thing. Uh, uh, what a gift from him to you to yep. to have that you know because really so much 
uh, of that to me is like self-esteem and self-confidence, which is another part of what Johan Hari talks about, like these cornerstone stones of like not having that addictive personality. Because for example, what I'm hearing in that is you from a very young age had a very strong sense of your own self-reliance and your ability to be self-reliant. Um, and so when you think about needing other substances to survive, like that probably is just your sense of self is bolstered from the idea that you would be dependent on something else just to live. I need this to get through the day, right? Yeah, no. Because eight-year-old you who caught enough fish to feed your family is like, fuck that. I got this. Give me a fishing pole, you know, but, but it's amazing. And, and like, I, I mean, it's just, it, it fills my, I, my mind with so many ideas where, you know, I, if I had kids, I'd love to let them do something like that i think <laughs> you know but like look if you did get eaten i'm sure it'd be a big deal um <clears throat> like where like that's that's the risk that a modern parent would be thinking about right it's like oh you know there's a there's a small chance you get eaten by a bear i don't know if i can take that risk but small um, chance to be on dr phil you know I mean, yeah you can... do what are, what are your memories from that from those times like when when he said that to you were you scared did you know fear getting eaten okay so it was weird. So I'd be eight. My parents were pretty poor. My grandparents were, were uh, somewhat well off. Uh, my, my mom and dad would put me on a Greyhound bus in 1981. Yeah. And two stops, eight hour trip by myself on a Greyhound bus. I remember getting on the bus and the driver being like, boy, you don't, you don't go in the back and use the restroom. You hold it, tighten a knot. You're not going to the back. Sit up next to me. You yeah. know, dude, stop at a gas station, stop at the Greyhound bus stop and have to wait yeah. two hours for the next bus. So wow. to, to, to figure out those things. I mean, I remember that. I remember being out and, and, and catching fish and not being scared of rattlesnakes or hearing something in the bushes. I didn't care. I mean, it's wildlife that's around me. There's there's cattle around me. There's 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 bulls around me. There's horses around me. I didn't. It was a thousand acre ranch. I didn't care. I was the plate. The, the, the thing that I fished was called deep Creek. It had rapids. It was wide. It was deep. It was, it, but I also, the most valuable thing I learned was how to be by myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. And that's something that's a turnoff for me too. When I meet other people who are like, who, who fear being alone, I'm like, you know, like yeah. I, <laughs> I never like to be somebody's company just because they fear being alone. Um, mm -hmm. and I, and I love alone time so much and I feel really bad for anybody who, who doesn't uh, know how to relish solitude, you know, yeah. or who feels like they need to be entertained all the time. And like, I, I don't know, just, even just the idea of being bored. I think I've, I don't know if I've ever been like, I'm bored. I, whenever I hear that, I'm like, shut up, like entertain yourself with your own thoughts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or read a book or something. I don't know. I just have always loved being alone from a very young age. And, and maybe that is something that you need to be taught, you know, yeah. um, uh, or like that you need to like experience because I, I hear all these things and I go like, I wonder if, um, and maybe you didn't have high neuroticism, you know, as a kid and these factors would play into it. But when I think of like, like, I do think it's, it's possible to teach kids to be scared of things, right? Because like oh, somebody yeah. could have been in your ear, like watch out for all the bears and the coyotes and like all these things that could potentially pop up. And if your parents or your role models are making such a huge deal about it, like, because as a kid, you don't necessarily, that's not your, that wasn't your go-to mindset was to be scared of all these things, but somebody could insert those things and, and pass that on to you. But luckily they didn't. So I was just thinking of like, you know, it's lucky that you did have these formative experiences because at some point, you know, we sort of like learn to be scared of all those things. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not somebody who's scared. Like, you know, and COVID's an interesting example of that because I was like, I just, I realized that like, oh, there's this, you know, with our personality traits, these basic personality traits, like neuroticism. I was never scared. I knew there was a chance I could get this uh, disease, but I was never like fearful of it. You know what I mean? And some people were deathly afraid and, and like some, let's separate like the people who are like, okay, you have pre-existing conditions and you're older or whatever. Like there is a fear of death versus like a young, healthy person who's still very scared. And I feel like that's an example of like, you know, sort of like being told to be scared, Yeah. you know, like rather than just being, and again, and that goes back to the emotion thing, managing your own emotions um, to be able to look at a scenario devoid of or or as devoid as possible uh of the cloud of emotions is a is a great thing to be able to do and i also kind of correlate that with exercise because it's like you know when you're running up a hill or when you're getting choked out it's like (laughs) there's so many voices in your head like quit oh my god you're gonna die like you don't need to be doing this like run like you know there's all these emotions and, and things going on in your head telling you to like flee the situation or give up or you know it's a form of like emotion you're heightened and and it's like there's just some voice in your telling in your in your mind telling you to do something other than what you've been determined to do and uh then you make it out the other side and you're like oh yeah i didn't need to listen they were wrong you know Mm -hmm. um and so i think understanding how to identify that those are like fear-based voices in your head and kind of just shut them down and be like yeah yeah okay they exist but i can trust my rational thinking in this scenario to carry me through oh yeah i mean even you know to your point of working out it's that the other day i was in the gym and i'm going through my stuff and i've got one more thing to do and some people came in and you know dude was a little funky and i'm like oh let's just get out of here i got work to do anyways i should probably just get out of here but then the back of my head's like hey you got one more thing to do yeah you got one more yeah now, yeah. here, it's, it's push or go time. You can always work. I can always work. Yeah. And I could yeah. come back in five hours and do that one other thing. But that's not the point. You're here. Yeah. Yeah. Will you get it done? Or, yeah. You know, and, and it's that. And there have been times where I've done it. And there have been times where I've, 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 I haven't. And when I've done it, you know, I always feel better. When I haven't, there's always a lingering question in the back of my head. You know, like, hey, man, yeah. why'd you quit? What's really going on today? Yeah. You know, what's, yeah. and, and, you know, and I get that a lot of people listening, you know, uh, working out may not be their, uh, their, their motivation, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that, but whatever it is that you're doing in your life, you know, it, it, you don't stop short. You know, I, I like what Elon Musk says. If you give yourself 30 days to clean your house, it'll take you 30 days. If you give uh, yourself right. three hours to clean your house, it'll take you three hours. Yeah. How do you want to manage your time and your discipline and your ambitions? How much runway do you want to give yourself? What do you want to do? And I always look at it as like, hey, man, uh, it's five minutes. You know, this next set, this next quick set is five minutes. It's your last burn, right? It's that, can I put it at, you know, can I put bench at 150 and then just burn it out and my, my pecs are on fire, my elbows hurt, you know, what is it that just, can you do it three times as much as you can yeah. and just feel good that you just, uh, you, you finish something, man. I, yeah. I tell my daughter all the time, like you got to finish. I don't care. I don't care about the grade. I don't, I care about the effort. 
I care about the yeah. effort. And did you learn from your mistake? If I tell you, hey, you did this wrong, did you learn or do you keep repeating the same mistakes? If you keep repeating the same mistake, then guess what? You don't fucking listen to me. And why am I talking? You know, you're like, you're yeah. working out with people. And they're like, hey, yeah. Mark, I know we're going to do curls, but I got a question <laughs> about cats. And you're like, hey, motherfucker, yeah. focus. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Or it'd come up where I'll be like, all right, like, I would just tell people to like, hey, we got another set. And they just be like, no. And I'm like, excuse me? What? Because like, yeah, <laughs> like, or do another rep. I'd see somebody do a deadlift. And I'd be like, dude, you have like, you, you could easily get three more. Give me just one more. And they wouldn't do it. And that just comes down to like, you know, some people aren't coachable. Um, but I was going to say with regards to your, like the workout and not everybody listening is into working out, but the, it's, it's this like basic, simple analogy for almost anything, which is, you know, just the debate in your head over whether or not to do what you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. And every single time I work out, there's that voice in my head. It like, I don't think like it's become easier, but like, and like, I can, I, I, take for granted sometimes that I can walk into a gym and just sort of like, you know, you scan it like the Terminator and you're like, this bench is free. I'm going to come here. You know, like in real time, a, a somebody who's very familiar with the gym can map out their workout without having a plan per se. Like I know I'm going to do chest, but I like leave certain specifics until I walk in the door and I'm like, I'm just evaluating like, okay, that bench is free. I'm going to hear, I'm going to do incline instead of flat because this, you know, so that I'm just not wasting any time. Not everybody can do that. And that's what uh, I think a lot of people waste time in the gym because they're just like overwhelmed by it, you know? Um, but so even though it's easier for me to walk in and know what I plan to do, like make a plan really quickly, it's still a struggle to stick to that plan every time. And when I'm running up the hill, there's always that voice in your head that's like, stop here, turn around, it's okay. You yeah. know? Hey, you just go to, you know what? I know you said the car, but just hit the fire hydrant. And you're like, yeah, no, bitch, right. yeah, exactly. the car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because and then the other voice comes back and says, "No, you're going to feel better." Uh, you know, there's like a sentence that I know I play in my head that's like, "Are you going to do what you said you're going to do or not? You going to do what you said you're going to do?" You know, you said you're going to do this. You said you're going to do it. You said you're going to go to the top. You said you're going to do five sets. Why are you stopping at three? Um, but it's it's remarkable how persistent that is, and I like the fact that 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 doesn't go away, and I like. Yeah, you because know, people will talk about like, you can take a pill and just be buff for the rest of your life or in shape. And I'm like, ah, you know, it sounds tempting, but at the same time, like I like I do think that bolsters you again as the is the basic analogy for other things. It's like I know that when presented with other um circumstances, other other goals or other tasks that require some sort of follow-through, you can use that same model and you can tell yourself, I am the person who does what I say I'm going to do because I ran the hill, you know, so the, the exercise analogy is like, it provides a super simple template for just being like, I did five sets instead of stopping at one. I am the guy who did that, you know, and yeah. that kind of bolsters your, your self-talk and your self-esteem to be able to apply that same sense of self to other tasks in which you are somebody who does what they say they're going to do. And without mm -hmm. that, maybe I would, you know, do a lot less. I, don't know. Um, I, I got a, I got a question for you. Um, yeah. On the, you know, when, when it comes to uh, working out and, and being healthy and, and diet and everything, and I'll, I'll use myself as, a, as an example, right? Uh, yeah. They said I was, you know, over 300 pounds. I was a big boy, uh, lost the weight. And now, I, and I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm cautious about this because I have a daughter and, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's different, I would say, uh, weight to uh, women when it comes to, you know, your, your, how you physically look and how you're yeah. seen and how you see yourself that's different than guys, yeah. I think. Yeah. But I, I found myself as finally getting older and, you know, uh, architecting a diet 
that is healthier and better for me. And not just, I mean, there was a time where I was eating whatever I wanted and, but I was playing basketball with former pro basketball players for three hours a day. So, yeah, you know, I was, I, I was burning what I was putting in, but it still wasn't he- It wasn't a healthy burn. Yeah. Now I live in a fear of food because yeah. it's always this, it's, I think it's good to be disciplined, but it's not good to live in a fear of, oh, well, how much did I eat? Well, then how hard did I work out? Where do you find balance, you know, in enjoyment and at the same time discipline? That, yeah, it's a really good question um, because I've, I feel like I have some good experiences that I can share on both sides of that spectrum because once I got into, like, I don't think I'd ever fixated on my weight at all before football, but then all of a sudden some other guy is trying to knock you on your ass and you're like, Oh, I need to be bigger. You know? So that sparked off uh, a period of about eight years where I'm trying to gain weight all the time, you know? And I went from like 165, my freshman year of high school to like 255, my senior year of college, um, eating a tremendous amount of food. Now, I think I have a, a naturally a larger appetite than a lot of people. So bulking isn't necessarily tough, but it would, you know, if you're eating eight meals a day, it does take discipline and preparation and stuff like that. So, um, uh, I saw that side and I remember being like, <laughs> I remember ca- catching a glimpse of myself in the mirror at 250, like, like, you know, like where there's like some sort of corner mirror. And I saw like a reflection of my like tricep from the back. And thinking like, God damn, that looks small. You know, like, like, so, <laughs> like, not God I, damn, that's I, where the horse kicked me. <laughs> yeah, it was um, <clears throat> like, I remember having those thoughts and kind of being like bigorexic, even at my biggest weight, like feeling like I, I needed to get bigger. Um, so I've suffered from body dysmorphia, you might be able to say, uh, on, on one end of the spectrum. And then when I stopped playing football, all of a sudden I was like, damn, I don't need to be this big. And, um, and I was carrying more body fat. Like I never really got like, uh, you know, too fat. I don't quite like, I'd have to try hard, I think like to, to, to actually get fat because I'm naturally leaner. So I did, I tried hard to gain weight, but like, you know, I've been at body fat percentages or, or weights or, or just general body compositions that I really wasn't happy with. And that sparked me to, um, you know, start a really strict diet and go the other way. And, I also, I found discipline. I remember like losing weight for the first time after graduating from college and getting down from like, you know, 255 of my biggest to down to like 215 and lean. And, um, you know, I was natural at that time. And, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of cardio and, and working out fasted and all these things. Um, I really enjoyed that transformation process. And I do agree that it can become an unhealthy obsession, but I'm happy to say now I feel like I'm you know, I have a good balance or at least an understanding of like, when I look in the mirror and I'm, I'm unhappy with something, I, I know the time frame in which I can fix it. So I'm not like, Oh my God, I hate my body. It's like, Oh yeah, you're looking a little puffy. Like I know I could fix that in a week or, you know, a few days or, or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, I, uh, like as far as managing that, I don't know, like if I have any special advice other than like, you should at least try it. You know, you should at least try the discipline and stuff like that. Like, so to bring it back to like the fat phobic thing, I think from the beginning mm-hmm. of our conversation, it's like, you know, is any sort of fixation on your weight and diet unhealthy? No, I don't think so. And I think that's a cop out for most people who 
um, like just don't want to confront the reality that exercising discipline over your diet can be difficult, you know? And uh, like, I, I think that you can find great joy and satisfaction from exercising discipline or doing a keto diet, cutting out sugar and exercising like, and that there is a point where it veers into an unhealthy obsession. But I think for most people, if you're bringing that up, it's probably a cop-out. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. does exist. And I think we, we know people who have an unhealthy obsession, but it's kind of like overtraining. Like some people are like, I think I'm overtrained. It's like, you're not fucking overtrained. <laughs> you know, like, like you're just lazy or whatever, like, yeah. or David you're tired or something. David yeah, Goggins, right. the one it, guy, it, it, overtraining. Exactly. But it's like, <laughs> like he, he, he provides this, this point of reference where you're like, oh, did you run a hundred miles yesterday? Like you're not overtrained. I'm sorry, like, or he's bringing it to the point where like, he's literally breaking his legs and feet bones running. So, um, you know, it, it does provide this shift in reference. So that's like just a term that I think is overused. It's like, no, no, no. Like if you're, you know, like Olympic athletes, for example, like training, like the clean and jerk, like they're doing like heavy lifting sessions multiple times a day, like with, you know, rep ranges and, and they're like, you know, 90% plus of their max lifts and all shit. So it's like, if they're not overtrained, then yeah, uh, you're not. And like, again, it's, it's, it's a real phenomenon, but it's like it's a percentage of people that are, that are suffering from overtraining or an actual unhealthy obsession with their body um, and training is probably a, you know, like, like uh, these, what, what is it called? Eating disorders. They do exist, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I don't think I've suffered from an eating disorder. I would say I've suffered from body dysmorphia just in the sense of like, at my biggest, I thought I was small. Um, I think I don't ever think I've like suffered from the opposite. You know, you might call that bigorexia. I don't think I've ever suffered from anorexia where I look at myself and go, I'm not thin enough. Like when I'm ripped, I love looking in the mirror, <laughs> you know, I'm like, damn, I look good, <laughs> you know? Um, like, and I don't, you know, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm at 9% body fat, I don't look at myself and go, I need to be down at five. Like I don't suffer from that. That's great. Um, but I would just encourage people, like, instead of thinking about it and trying to frame things in that way, like any sort of encouragement or any, any, like, because you, I, I just think you have to be somewhat obsessed in order to, to do anything. It's like telling somebody like, oh my God, you're obsessed with that novel you're writing. It's like, yeah, bitch, because I want to make a vision, you know, like, um, I, I have to think about it all day in order to um, make that the primary focus of my life and actually do it. Um, and so, yes, uh, I have had many points in my life where, for example, like the first time I dieted out, I remember like, you know, when I was, I went from eating whatever I wanted to eating, you know, only 2,200 calories a day. You think about food a lot because yeah. you go, I'm hungry. Where's my next meal? <laughs> um, but I actually found satisfaction with that. And, and uh, when I first tried, for example, keto and intermittent fasting, one of the big things that I really liked from it uh, was experiencing. Um, and by the way, I've, uh, it's another pivotal scene here in Fight Club where he's putting the lie on, on uh, Edward Norton's hand. You yes. Know, and I like that as just an analogy for like <clears throat> accepting like the suffering. You know what I mean? Like you can mm -hmm. kind of go into that zone of like when you're running and like there's this voice in your head that's like, stop, it sucks, it's whatever. And you can kind of just go, you're like, you can actively make the decision to like go to that happy place and like just sort of like transcend the suffering at a certain point. Um, so this is something that I think about a lot where it's like, yes, you're going to experience pain. And I think you could eventually learn to just and, like, and by the way, transcend it. Yeah. Pain's a good thing. It's not, yeah. you know, it's like people associate struggle with bad and yeah. they associate pain with bad, you yeah. know, and, and, but 
struggle and, and pain. And we're, and we're not, yeah, we're not talking about, by the way, acute injuries, right? Yes. It's not as if like, I'm running on a broken ankle. It's like, no, 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 that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about discomfort. Yep. You know? So. Yeah, like I was uncomfortable yesterday. I'm a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. My neck's sore. I'm a, <clears throat> now my daughter, God bless her. She's like, dad, don't go work out today. Your muscles are sore. And I right. like, that's the, that's exactly what I'm going to do because yeah. you know what? Jiu-jitsu's three times a week, man. You know, you don't, yeah. you can't come in and be like, Hey guys, I really like this, but you know what? My neck's a little sore. So can I just be in the corner and do jumping jacks? Like life doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. Just, and I've experienced that too before. I remember like, you know, telling my football coach, I'm like, Oh, I did a really hard leg workout yesterday. Like I, I can't really run. He's like, I don't give a fuck, like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, right. You know, and that's one of those pivotal moments too, that you like another thing. Sometimes you'll see people like complaining about things as if like anybody cares. And I like the fact that I, I really understand and internalize like nobody cares about what yeah. you're going through. They may give lip service to that, but like if there's something to be done, it's like, okay, cool. You done like bitching because there's like, you know, we got a fucking, you know, move this shit or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm just thinking of like, you, you show up to like your friends, like to, you know, help him move his house or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, on my shoulder. I'm like, okay, then like either leave or go, you know, but it's like, I don't want you to be like, oh, I can't, uh, you know. Can I just um, carry the papers, please? You know, you're like, yeah. No. <laughs> so yeah, it's just most of the time you find that it's like, it's not even worth bringing up um, because just, you know, like that basic idea of like, nobody cares, like, and you can care about it internally, like you can, you can do things to like, be careful with your body parts hurting you. But it's just, I think it's a good lesson for everybody to know that sort of like combats entitlement, you know, like, you're not entitled to like sympathy or special treatment, like, because everybody's going through something, you know, yeah. and um, it, it creates, you know, if you were to accept that, then somebody else could be like, oh, well, I had a bad day yesterday. Like, could you be? <laughs> yeah, like, you know? you know, the dog shit on the carpet, like, no one, good. Yeah, exactly. The dog shit on the carpet, that means you're not paying attention to the fucking dog. Own it, right. own responsibility. Yeah. I, I wonder, Mark, <clears throat> and I've thought about this, I, want, I really wanted to ask you this. Uh, we're in an interesting cycle uh, in society and have been for, for a while. And that is, you know, the, the growth of, of entrepreneurs and, you know, finding success in, in different ways, but then also watching how that success is, is managed or, or more importantly, not managed. Uh, yeah. I wonder, you know, you are, you, uh, you know, and uh, it seems like from the outside looking in, you've kind of hit this hockey stick, right? You were doing great, you were doing stuff. And then all of a sudden you're, you're running up into these bigger echelons and you know, there's, you've got the podcast now, you've, you've, got, you've got Instagram and you've, you've got all these things happening around you. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder in a world where you found obviously physical success in what you've been able to manage personally for yourself. Now you have so many more eyeballs on you. How do you manage that scrutiny and still keep pushing the train forward? Yeah, that's a really good question um, because it's something I think about a lot and think about um, because yes, I do have attention on me. Like I'm always wary to be like, oh man, so many people are paying attention. To me. It's like, it's not, you know, it's not millions of people, but it's not nothing. So I'm somewhere in that, like where, you know, people are watching what I do and messaging me and kind of giving me more attention than at other points in my life. And I think about how at certain points in my life, 
um, or you know, maybe I'd like I think about one that always comes to mind. Remember that Coney 2012 guy that had like oh, a yeah. down to the street, like where he's like pounding the pavement. Like, I mean, he had a psychotic break. It was funny to me at the time, I'll be honest, because you know, I like I don't have that much empathy for him because I think he was like he deliberately created a viral campaign. It was sort of based on like like religious stuff, which I don't have a lot of like sympathy for when people are like pushing religious stuff on other people. There was like a number of elements to it, like. I don't mean to sound like a dick, but it, it was funny to me. And I was like, ha ha, like, because you invited it on yourself. But at the same time, like, I do think that's a very real thing where if you, not every person is prepared for the attention that they get from mm -hmm. certain endeavors. And I think that at various points, I would have been unprepared um, or more unprepared for to manage, simply just manage the attention. You know what I mean? Because I think, uh, not that I, I feel like I've always courted attention, but like I've known that people would give me attention in certain scenarios, you know, for whatever reason, for like, you know, doing funny impressions as a kid, you know, whatever it is. It's like, I know that like, like over the years I've had the accusation, like you just want attention. I'm like, eh, like I, I know other people who really do thrive on attention. And I feel like uh, I consider myself more so somebody who like, can manage it or knows that some people will pay me attention or if I walk into a room like I don't think like people are everybody's staring at me it's like yeah dude I'm fucking six three and I have gray hair you know like yeah some people are gonna look at me and you can either be like upset by that or wary of it or just deal with it and so I'm just using that as an analogy to say um like I'm aware that people will pay attention to me I've embraced that I go down the street sometimes as I probably mentioned before, people be like, hey, you're buff. Like, tell me what to do. Like, I'm at Costco the other day and some guy's like shouting at me like, hey, what workout should I do? Like that, especially like if I'm in a stringer or something like that, and you could just see it's like, yeah, I'm tall and a buff um, and, and like mostly men, <laughs> you know, like it's not like women are clamoring over me. Men will just shout out and be like, tell me something, you know? Um, and I always try to embrace like, the positivity in that and, and I always try to to uh like find a human connection even if it's just for a moment um and try to talk to that person like you know they gave me their attention and sometimes it's inartful you know sometimes like I remember this sure. guy at the gym was like uh do you have a brother who lives in LA I'm like <laughs> like he was like and we found out basically what he was saying was like um I've seen a guy who looks like you, <laughs> you know, like, like there's a guy with long hair and I think he's your brother, you know, like I was like so tempted to like make fun of him and be like, God, that's so stupid. Like, you know, like you interrupted my workout to be like, there's another guy with long hair. Are you his brother? You know, it's like, yeah. but what, you know, that was just his way of being like, hi, I want to talk to you. And so I always try to like assume that's where people are coming from. And even, um, you know, the haters, like, and I also like, I have to clarify my podcast is called haters will say, it's really a joke that I started like, because, you know, I just like captioning everything like, you know, like haters will say, I, I won't do this. Haters will say, it's like, it's a funny thing to say that like, then people can come like and comment with their own version of like, you know, like haters will say you won't respond and this and that. So it's like, it's fun. But then once I appeared on the fighter and the kid, um, I actually did get a lot of people uh, who were coming to my page specifically to harass me. You know, and that is a real phenomenon on the internet that I think like, you know, people have killed themselves over like, uh, you know, and I can think of a few examples off the top of my head, like, you know, uh, like a porn star killed themselves because she yeah. said, had some tweet that like people like that, that girl August Ames, who was like, um, 
said something about maybe like not doing scenes with gay guys or something like that because of the risk of AIDS. And it was like, all of a sudden she gets this Twitter storm and she kills herself because like, you know, that can be, especially if you're like a hot girl and you've never had like a bunch of people just shit on you before. Like, you know, luckily <laughs> I've been arguing on the internet for over a decade now. So I'm, I've had enough of these like, like single, you know, these, uh, these, uh, uh, single batch <laughs> hate episodes where people will come at me and tell me like, you know, everything about my physical appearance is wrong and I look stupid and I have injections in my lips and I look like a girl and I look like a trans werewolf and all these things like, like there's nothing you can say about my appearance that's going to offend me because I've just heard it all, you know? And I understand that like when it's coming from a man, like women don't come on and tell me I look like shit. Like if a woman's telling me about my physical appearance, she's, she's telling me something positive, like, without fail because a woman isn't just going to be like you're ugly because like they're not like threatened by my existence but sure. when a man is threatened by something so i always i'm bringing this all this up just to say like at my age at 38 years old i don't know when i developed this because it's certainly at some points i remember like you know you find out somebody doesn't like you and you're like man that really bothers me like I don't know why, like, what did I do? Like you, you're racking your brain for like, how did I offend this person? And maybe like there was a legitimate reason, but sometimes it would just be like, oh, you disagreed with them in class or something like that. Like, you know, thinking of a specific instance in high school where uh, people will latch on to, you know, whatever moment or whatever preconceived notion they have of you. And I've had so many people over the years have that kind of generic conversation where it's like, I thought you were this, but you're actually a really cool guy. And it's like, Imagine how many people don't tell you that, you know what I mean? That it's just yeah. like, they just stopped it. I thought you were this and then never found out different or never wanted to admit it to, even if I did find out. So I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with being uh, judged and having preconceived notions and, and people making fun of my appearance because I've developed a self-confidence where I don't look in the mirror and see anything other than, you know, what I, what I have going on. And also I know that like appearance is fleeting, you know, like we've both, had weights go up and down it's like yeah dude i could i could gain 50 pounds in the next month and be fat and then lose it again and be like that doesn't define me you know yeah. uh, any more than i could shave my head and not be the long hair guy anymore it doesn't define me at all so um <clears throat> part of it is like being like calloused to attacks on my physical appearance and there's not much that you could go like you know my mom could be much more offensive to me by telling me, you know, I, I've disappointed her in some way than any stranger on the internet could by telling me I'm a failed actor or something like that. It's like, you know, because it presupposes, and this is like one of these tropes that people will throw at me. And it's like, oh, you don't understand my level of gratitude, you know, for the fact that like every book, every job that I've booked in my life, like I have this tremendous amount of gratitude for, and I don't have any expectation of ever making money as an actor. So every time I, I get a commercial or something, I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It's not like, well, I should have gotten more because I am owed something. Um, you know, I, I, I live my life in gratitude. So it's funny how people like think that's going to be a devastating diss, but it's like, you're assuming that I like had an expectation to be Brad Pitt or something, which I never did. You know, like, of course, that'd be amazing if that happened, but I'm just grateful for any amount of money that, that, that changes hands to pay me for acting. And even when I don't get paid, I'm happy to do like skits that I think turn out great. Yeah. You know, I, I, you've so, got some funny like, ones. Yeah. Mm. And like, so it's like, dude, that's just fun. Like if it comes out and like somebody laughs at it or it's like, it, it, I get a message like, oh, you brighten my day. Like that does really feel good, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's uh, the kind of feedback and that also is like at this 10 to 1 ratio or more 
um, of like positive feedback to negative. So it's like, oh yeah, like a hmm, hundred people messaged me today and 99 of them were telling me that I'm great um, or like not even that I'm great, just have some sort of positive interaction. And I get all sorts of messages saying, um, you know, even if it's just asking me a question and then I answer it and they're like, thank you so much. It's like, that's really cool that like people, you feel valued, you know? Um, and so if somebody comes on and, you know, tells me, <laughs> it's always like very generic too. That's the other thing. It's like, you suck. Your podcast sucks. I'm like, cool. Like that really hits home. You know what I mean? Like, um, and very rarely do people actually go into the specifics. There was one guy on my podcast recently that was trying to like challenge me on certain things, you know, like, you don't know what you're talking about with autophagy and related to fasting. I'm like, and even then it was like, dude, you're still getting this shit wrong. You know what I mean? Like I can just go bring up something else and like contradict you. And like, you had to like fake being like more of an expert than me in this stuff just to attack something specific. So, and I'm also not presenting myself as an expert. So that's what, you know, an attack like that also presupposes that I'm like presenting myself as some guru. I'm just like, Hey, I watched this video today and I wanted to pass it on to you. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know, yeah. you know? Um, so I think having an approach where you're very grateful and like not egotistical as far as like thinking, you know, everything I know some stuff and I just like, and people will ask me questions and go, man, I hope I can answer that hope. And hopefully I can like point you in the right direction to some other person who knows more than me. Um, but you know, that's very freeing in and of itself is not presenting yourself as a guru, but like, I do get like, I, you know, I've had coordinated harassment campaigns leveled against me. Like, uh, you know, with like, like my podcast rating, for example, it's like, uh, hundreds of people like have gone to like rate my podcast to one. It's like, how many times have you listened to a podcast and thought it was a one and actually, yeah. it, you know, like, like just don't rate so, it. I mean, right. And then and like, so I posted <clears> about it. Like I saw like, Oh, my Spotify rating is at like a two or something like that. I'm like, do you guys mind raising it up? And then, uh, you know, a couple hundred people from, from my Instagram, like, you know, voted and got it up to like a, you know, a four point something. And then like, the guys on this subreddit saw it and like then it's like oh I, can, I you can see the number of ratings so it's like yeah weird it went from like 65 to like 180 and then now there's like 900 ratings and it's back to a two or whatever luckily i don't give a fuck about my spotify rating but it's like um those types of things happen and i could see other people being like beaten down by that you know mm -hmm. but i have perspective to to say well, like, man, that, that's the best you got. <laughs> it's like ruining my Spotify rating because I asked people to like, give it, give me an honest rating. And so uh, the last thing I'll say about that is understanding the psychology of people who attack you anonymously. Like there's always like without a doubt, right? You can just psychologically profile anybody who's coming at you from an anonymous profile, who's never met you, who's trying to harass you. Like they're taking energy out of their day to seek you out, to try to bring you down a peg with all these false assumptions. Like I've already gone over, like, you know, there's always like an attitude of like, I think I'm up here or I think I'm a celebrity or I think I'm this or that. And it's like, you don't even understand my psychology, but you know, yours ironically from an anonymous profile is so much more transparent because you are scared to show me how you look. You're scared to use your real name. You're scared to give any indication of what you do for a living or what you do in real life while criticizing the things that I do for a living and in real life. Um, you know, you're going to tell me that, that I haven't done enough or that XYZ isn't enough. I don't get enough views. I'm not famous enough, but it's like, I've never heard that from another actor who's more famous than me. You know, yeah. I've never heard that from a podcaster who's more famous than me. When you actually meet successful people, 
they're positive and inspiring. You know, it's pretty rare that you meet somebody who's who's doing really well in life. I know it happens, but like in my experience, when I meet a famous comedian or podcaster, they're nice and supportive. And if they see you doing the work, they're not going like, well, uh, how many views, how many downloads do you get each month? Like, that sucks. Like, you know, that, that'd be crazy. Right? <clears throat> oh, yeah. So I mean, people who are literally doing nothing. And so as much as that's a trope, I've gotten to see that like a thousand times in the past year where it's like, oh, you're do nothing, bitch. You're do nothing, bitch. You're do nothing, bitch. You're do nothing, bitch. And I'll challenge them like FaceTime with me right now. And they won't do it. And sometimes guys will actually post <laughs> the funny things I do on my story is um, people will like talk shit to me and I'll just post a picture of who they are if they have a public profile. And it's like, it's always some dorky fat kid or like, like a teenager or something like that, like telling me they're going to beat my ass. <laughs> it's like, the, these are the people, you know, that are just too stupid to like hide their profile. But you know, people will make some anonymous profile like mark harley's a bitch and then like comment on all of my you know uh instagram posts and it's like you do you think that makes me look bad that you created a profile called mark harley's a bitch and are commenting obsessively on like 20 of my instagram posts <laughs> you know like in your mind like you're launching a successful attack against me <laughs> like yeah <laughs> um so it's, it's, just it's a broken better. mentality <clears throat> right, right. And it's just you know, I, I hope to I share some of the stuff because people go like, well, why do you buy into the haters? Why do you do that? I'm like, first of all, like it all started as a joke, but like since people are here attacking me that and like upset, like people be like, you don't even have any haters as they're, you know, like um rating bombing my you know podcast or attacking me obsessively in my DMs, like they they're really triggered by the idea that I'm making a joke out of haters while they're being an actual hater, but um, you know. I share some of this stuff because like, I hope to help people deal with that because not everyone like has the insight or has like dealt with it enough to like be sort of um, calloused by this. But, uh, you know, I hope people can see it's like, it's always the same person. Yeah. And it's always the same person. Yeah. You've got to have that strength of staying true to what you're doing and who yeah. you are. Like, <clears throat> We have a mutual contact, the the hairy artist, yeah. you know, a great guy. And about a year ago, we were we were chatting, and it was about a year and a half ago, two years ago, he was on the podcast, and we chat, you know, almost every day. But he goes, "Hey, uh, how are your numbers doing?" And I said, "Oh, they're, you know, I took a month off. I'm going through a divorce, so you know, I just want to take a month off because I didn't want that negative energy to." Uh, to, to infiltrate my podcast. So I want, and I wanted yeah. to take some time to be with me and, you know, if I'm going to have a drink or, you know, be chatty with someone and it comes up, I don't, I don't want to be the weak bitch who starts whining about life. So, yeah. and he goes, well, how are your numbers? I go, they're, they're okay. Cause well, you're doing like a million a month. I said, yeah, but I was doing enterprise level global marketing as an experiment to show awareness yeah. versus subscribers. Yeah. And he's like, wait, it was all just, I go, dude, I've been doing communications and marketing for 25 years. Yeah. My life is about turning knobs and seeing what happens. Yeah. This whole thing is, I mean, from famous people to people who aren't famous, who have become friends of mine because of this podcast is why I do it. There are, yeah. you know, I've got some great people who listen. I'm very, <clears throat> pardon me, blessed with the uh the encouragement and uh you know all the things i've gotten but like i took a month off people like oh you weak bitch oh you're going through something we all are you know i was like hey man i'm just not voicing oh, people, it. people were actually saying that to you oh they were emailing me yeah <clears throat> so crazy 
and I, but I but it was like, okay. And then they, you know, someone came and they're like, oh, I see your numbers dipped, man, faking it. And I was like, well, here's what you do. Super simple. Outside of Facebook and Instagram, there's 900 other social media channels out there and they're global. Yeah. And there's some that are specific to countries that they just, yeah. they really hone in on those. That's theirs. And I put a yeah. profile up on all of them. Yeah. And then I would post and ghost. So I just post it, tag it the right way, you know, figure out their yeah. system, tag it and leave. WhatsApp, same thing. I was in every podcast channel on WhatsApp that I could be in. Now, do would people listen or click on? Absolutely. Did they subscribe and stick around? Fuck no. Because it was yeah. just, can I get awareness? Now that's the yeah. funnel, right? And then how do you bring them in from awareness to subscribers, to subscribers to, to people who are passionate with you? And then how do they take that passion and influence it out to their network? Yeah. But it was an exercise of enterprise level marketing that I was doing with a company. So it was just showing them how it can happen and why and what the benefits are and what the pitfalls are. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because no one else knew that but me. Yeah. So then you get these haters coming in and they're like, oh, yeah. fuck you. Oh, and I'm like, y'all don't even know what I do. Right. It's amazing how people will predicate a lot of this hate on. It's like, oh, you don't even like now, like, and sometimes I will correct them because it's fun, but it's like most of the time you're making all these, like people will hate on Brendan Schaub. That like, for, for example, they'll come to like my page to hate on Brendan. It's like, motherfucker, like, cause he's not reading his social media comments and that bothers you so much. You have to like talk shit about him to me. Um, but one of the things, for example, like, he is doing all his shows in his own podcast network now. The Thick Boy Studio yeah. is doing everything in house, and and uh, and so his Below the Belt show left Showtime, and everybody's like, "Oh, Shop got fired!" Like they're coming to my page, like that's why your boss got fired from Showtime. I'm like, but that's just not true. So like when you come out and say something that's not true, like for example, when people, one of the things that people love to do online is like call me old. Like as if that's like a devastating diss, like, but like use a specific age, like that's when you're 60. And it's like, but uh, so I'm not 60. Do you think that bolsters everything else you're saying or undermines it? You know, yeah. like if, if, if I'm 60 and my podcast also sucks, like, do I have to cut that diss in half too, to make it accurate? Or like, you know, so when you're coming at this and making like a false accusation, because uh, you don't know what's going on, but are pretending and, and behaving as if you have the full picture, like. Do you think that diss predicated on something that you have no idea what you're talking about, that's devastating to me or that exposes you as not knowing what the fuck you're talking about? Um, exactly. But it's, it's remarkably common. You know? Oh, and it's, you know, and it's funny. I mean, like, and I've heard people talk shit about Shab, obviously, and Callan and others. Yeah. I've had the privilege to meet both once in person, just yeah. once randomly. And then I've reached out to Shab a couple of times on, uh, on Instagram, just a DM just saying thanks. Like he posted something that inspired me when he was started the Thick Boy Bike Club. I was like, hey man, yeah, you know what? <clears throat> he got me back into biking. I just want to say thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. It's a pretty fucking crazy concept here. Really crazy. I want you to try it. Yeah. Be nice and respectful. There's a show on, I, I forget the, the spectrum, I think is what it is. It's called Joe Pig. Yeah. Wyoming game warden. That was his dream to be a game warden. And he was raised yeah. by an abusive drunk and he was, he's trying to be a better parent. And, you know, he gets some shenanigans. That's a TV show. But I found out who the guy was. I just messaged him. I said, Hey man, as a guy who was raised by an abusive drunk uh, yeah. in Montana, 
Never wanted to be a game warden. I had the weird desire of wanting to own a riding lawnmower and mow the sides of the road to keep the grass down so you could see deer easier. Like this was my yeah. big dream. I said, yeah. I watched your 10 episodes. I don't know you from Adam. You made me laugh. You made me cry. You made me think about my childhood and you made me think and remind myself to always be a better parent. Thank you. Yeah. And this guy's got, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of followers. Oh, who cares? Just putting good energy up. This cat the next day messages me. And he's like, yeah. hey, man, thanks for the note. I really appreciate it. That's why we made the show. Yeah. And you got to, you, folks, you got to take a moment. And, you know, I, I could have messaged him and like, hey, you know what? I want to let you know, as a game warden, and you're talking about making your own bullets, you did, you know, the producer right. did this wrong or da, da, da. Why? If, right. You know, it's, I mean, if people don't realize how, how instantaneously that conveys your own insecurity. Yeah. You know, the, the, the first thing you do when attempting to connect to another human being is clearly like you need attention of some sort. You know what I mean? Like if I have a negative opinion about something, like I really hesitant to put it online, like in a comment or something like that, because I realize it's like, oh, I can just have that thought and keep it to myself. Like, I don't want somebody else to be on the receiving end of, of something that might like actually hurt their feelings. You know what I mean? Like preemptively, mm -hmm. you know, if like you want to engage in talking shit, sure. Like maybe I'll try to throw that back at you, but like, um, I, it's, it's just remarkable how uplifting those sincere interactions can be. And it's like, Hey man, if you want attention, just message me. And sometimes it, it does actually happen where like, I'll call people out who are like messaging me to talk shit and be like, you suck and you fucking lips and your face and this and that. And it's like, if I do it the right way, like they'll like, be like, I don't know why I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, like, like if, if I'm like, if, what the fuck, like what made you message me like that? Like, do you have some issue with me? Like, did I do something to you? And like uh, just a handful of times people have turned that corner. Um, and often I'm not like super nice about it per se, but I'll just go like, um, like I'll just kind of be like, reflect that mirror to them. Be like, you know, sure. You're, you're behaving like this because something else is going on in your life. And sometimes they will admit to that, you know, I've had, and it's enough that you're like, yeah, behind every hater is something like this. It's just that you have to be, you know, somewhat self-aware to actually admit it and, and be somewhat mature to actually admit it, but it does happen. And you realize that, oh yes, behind every hater, you know, is a guy that, that is thinking the same. He just can't bring himself to admit it or, and I don't even like, I like the word hater is such a joke to me, you know, but like, like somebody who's, putting out excessive and unwarranted negative energy, you know, to somebody like me, who's like, you know, I'm, I'm not trolling the world. I'm not fucking like trying to upset people. I'm trying to like make people laugh and put out some free advice. And when people ask me for fitness advice, I try to do my best to, to answer them. And especially with like steroids and stuff like that, like people ask me, it's like, dude, I want you, like, I don't want you to fuck your body up. You know what I mean? So it's important to me that you get good advice uh, with regards to things that you put your body in, there's an enormous amount of misinformation and people using that shit recklessly. So it's like, it's actually important to me um, to, to guide people who come to me with questions. And uh, I consider that part of my purpose. And so like, if you're seeing all that and like shitting on me for like, 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 it's, like it's just wild. It's like, oh man, like, what did I do? Like, I'm just existing and that upsets you apparently. Um, but I don't need my ass to be kissed. Like if you're messaging me, I don't need to be told I'm amazing. Oh my God, you're so good. And you're so cute. And you're like, like I don't need all that superlative stuff. <laughs> like the best kind of messages as you're saying, like are these ones where it's like, Hey, I listened to this thing and it helped me do this. You know, yeah. it's like, fuck yeah, dude, that's really awesome. Because 
that's the impact that I would be hoping to have. I really about trying to have an impact of like, oh my God, like he's so amazing at podcasting, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's like, I'd like, you know what I mean? That's almost like, if I got a message like that, I'd be like, you know, I don't know who else you're watching, but I'm certainly not the best at this or whatever. Like I, you know, I don't have um, an outsized ego to the point where like, I need constant validation or narcissistic supply from people telling me that I'm like better than other people. Sure. If I'm, if I'm trying to encourage people and people write me to tell me that they've been encouraged in some way, or they ask a question and I answer, as I said before, and then they express gratitude, that makes me feel really good because it, it comes across as sincere, you know? It's, and it's interesting. You're talking about how you engage with people. I was during the height of COVID here in Austin, you know, I was, I was busting some people's chops talking about saving. We had a, uh, the winter storm here in Texas, right? Yeah. Not winter for Montana, but shit, we got like four inches of snow. It shut down the city. It was horrible. Yeah. And, I, you know, and they're like, you got to save energy. And yet downtown Austin's lit up. And I was busting some balls. I'm like, hey, man, city leaders, turn some lights out. You know, you can't tell me to turn my lights out to save energy for the city. And then all downtown's lit up. Like, let's just let's have some balance. And this guy yeah. responds. He's like, you know what? Fuck you. You're a piece of shit. You don't know what the fuck. You know, and he was yeah. really angry. Yeah. And I was going to respond snarky and I had a good response. I mean, I bartended for years. <laughs> I was telling yeah. my friend that uh, this, this gal, she's her, her son and my daughter in the same Taekwondo class. And I said, you know, I miss bartending. And she goes, how would you miss bartending? I said, the responses I got to give people, like someone would say, I don't like your drink, make yeah. me a different one. And I would very politely look at them and go, listen, I don't go down to the docks and kick the sailor's dicks out of your mouth while you're working. So don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> like it was just, yeah. I love the fun yeah. quips and I was going to give this yeah. guy a fun quip and I, you know, I'm going to click on his page and I clicked on his page and it was, you know, all these different groups. And it was at the end, life doesn't matter. I don't matter. That was his kind of his end tagline. Yeah. And I replied and I said, Hey, I looked at your page. You matter. Yeah. And that's all I said. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And he's like, replied back and it made me tear up no one's told me that yeah and it's like okay now i know why you're angry yeah now yeah, i know that's why an, that's an important thing to realize is like because sometimes you don't get the benefit of that a lot of people do attack me online anonymously and it's like yeah. you know i wish i could see you because i could like it would validate my thesis that like you're unhappy about something in your life and i'm a threat to you but like <clears throat> When I actually see who these people are and I see that like, oh yeah, like, you know, I remember the first hater of the week I did for my podcast was like actually a disabled fat guy living in his mom's basement. You know what I mean? It was like, like the poster boy for like, you know, what people joke about. It's like, you're eating fucking, you know, your Cheeto fingers on the laptop as you're, you know, but he was like literally like on a ventilator. And it's like, like, I don't even have to be mean to you. It's just like, this is who my haters are, but I feel bad for you, you know, but like, um, it's like, uh, you want them to be more self-aware or just like, let other people know that like, yes, like the type of person who writes like that is usually a deeply unhappy person who probably doesn't think very much of themselves. So they want other people to feel the same way. But if I actually see that specific stuff in person, like, you know, of course I'm going to have empathy for it. I don't want to jump on anybody and be like, yeah, you are a worthless piece of shit. Yeah, nobody likes you. It's like, um, if I see who you really are, I'm going to go, ah. You know, like, yes, of course, it's predictable. But And most people like post anonymously or talk shit anonymously. When you actually get to see who they are, it's just like, yeah, man, like, and I'm not trying to like pile on. I'm just going like, 
you know, maybe there's a correlation here between you trying to be verbally abusive online and the fact that, like you think you don't matter, you know, because you have no self-esteem. Um, yeah. And it's, <clears throat> and there's not, you know, it's a, uh, one of the themes that people are going to hear this and I'll, I'll get messages on it and, and good, you know, is, uh, for a guy who lives in a world of such great physical health, it's amazing because the overarching theme for damn near two hours is mental health. Yeah. Is that, is that mental push is that mental health. And I don't think people realize how strong their mind is or how strong their, their brain is. Yeah. And so I'll ask you, you know, when did you realize you could push? When did you realize your brain, your, your motivation could, could take you from three sets to five? Um, that's, a, that's another really good question. And I'll try to like, <laughs> I'll answer these with like the first things that come to mind. Sure, please. You know, like there might be a better answer, but I know that like, um, I'll go back to skating and actually like, I'll, I'll, I'll use three quick examples. One, <clears throat> so I started out skateboarding and then I moved to Northern California with my family after my, uh, my dad lost his job and our home got foreclosed in Southern California. We moved to Northern California to start over with new friends, new school, everything, you know. And like the cool thing was like aggressive inline skating, you know, like grinding rails, like with rollerblades and whatever. And skateboarders are like, it's gay. But it's like, you know, it's another thing where it's like, it's hard to learn and you fall and you have to master these tricks. I remember like, <clears throat> I would, there was a little spot I could skate across the street from my house that wasn't the main spot that we skated. Like I would go to this like rec center, like, you know, like a mile from my house. And there was this little spot that I could skate across the street. And when I wanted to show off a trick, I would go there and like do the same trick like a hundred, you know, times in a row, like on my own or whatever the night before. And I think that was probably like just something off the top of my head where I'm like, I remember like the enjoyment of sort of doing something obsessively, you know, like, like perfecting something on your own, you know, at night, no one else is there validating you, but like, it feels good to get better at the thing, even as you're getting out of breath and you're getting sweaty and it's physically uncomfortable and you're falling and you're fucking up your hands and scraping your knees. But like at the end of it, when you achieve some sort of mastery or do something that you couldn't do at the beginning of the night, now you can, that's, it feels really good. Secondly, um, I remember when we started, like, I've never been like considered myself very fast, but with football, I remember being like, oh yeah, like we're doing 10 sprints. I'm going to beat everybody on the 10th one. I might not beat you on the first one, but like, like, I remember getting attention from that it was like, oh, I can like, like, I'm not going to be the fastest guy, but like, I'm going to run all of these as hard as I can. And eventually, like, people are just going to start quitting, you know, and I think I use that to my benefit because I would play like every down in football, like offense, defense, special teams when, in high school. And like, like, it wasn't like I was the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. But by the end, like, I was I had the drive and the will to like, like run, you know, all the way, you know, to, to uh, like, I would run people down, for example, is, you know, one way to get a, get a tackle when people would give up, like if they're on the other side of the field or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then also like with wrestling too, I would notice like I could beat some of like, like the smaller guys in the runs, we'd start off every practice, like um, with a long distance run. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the bigger guys. I shouldn't be beating all these guys, but you'd go and do it just to kind of like prove to yourself, like, um, that's a mental thing. It's, it's not a, an athletic ability thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like pushing through long distance often comes down to, I'm not talking about like a cross country race where like, these are all like technically sound runners who are like running for, you know, a PR, 
Um, this is about like just going, are you going to cut the corner or are you going to, you, you're going to fucking bust your ass and, and finish first or in the top three or whatever. And so I, I guess I got, you know, you will get attention from that. You will get validation, but it feels good because like, I just kind of realized I'm like, oh, I can like kind of out mental these people. There, there comes a point that you see through sports that you could um, like, you just see where your advantage is and you're like, and I'm going to keep pushing. And this person, like they, they started off fast, but I'm going to get them, you know, by mile five or whatever. And I also, for the first time, I started off high school thinking, not thinking I was stupid, but I was like, I'm just not good at school. Like, I think I had like a 2.0 my first semester. And by the end of high school, um, I had like a 4.17 or something like that, like with honors classes and um, like, like for the semester, my, my overall grade point average probably was like a 3.8 or a 3.9, like with all the semesters together. But like, there was a point when I was a sophomore, I'm like, there's fucking no reason, you know, for me to be getting C's, like just fucking figure it out. And I had this self-talk where like, I just decided that I was going to get A's. Um, not that it was any sort of like big, like aha moment other than just like, fuck this. I'm not going to fucking lose, you know? Um, yeah. Like I, I'm not going to let myself fucking, you know, cause like once you start enjoying that competition, which I don't think like when I was a freshman first semester, I wasn't enjoying the competition of football. I wasn't enjoying the competition of school, but then once it clicked in for football, I just kind of use the same analogy of like, you're just looking around going like, I'm going to beat all these fuckers. And I don't care if like, they're supposed to be the smart kids. And that kind of became a thing that was like enjoyable too. When it was like, like, I'd have other kids like in the honors class or whatever, like, like make some sort of reference to like, well, Mark's the dumb one or Mark doesn't belong here. Or like, you know, I remember going up and doing a physics problem in front of the class, like, cause uh, like I was in an honors physics class and, and the professor was like, uh, who did the homework last night that you'd like, you could come up and like show how you did it. And like, nobody raised their hand. So I'm like, I'll do it. And then I go up and do it. And like, before I did it, actually, some guy was like, oh, his brother probably helped him because my brother's like this really, he's like a math PhD. And like at the time was like, you know, a year older than me and like known to be really super smart. And he didn't help me. And I was just like, fuck, you know, in my mind, I was just like, yeah. fuck this kid. So I go up and I do it and like do it all perfectly. And like, <laughs> you know, like afterwards the teacher was like, why would you say that? Like he, he called him out for me, but I was just like, that kind of stuff would fuel me. Um, because I know, like, I just, I learned to get pleasure from, um, like being doubted. You know, sure. Like you, because you could either take that as like, well, I guess I'm dumb, um, because somebody else said I was, you know, or somebody else said I copied my homework when I didn't, you know, because he couldn't figure it out. Um, so I guess I just, I, you know, at some point you learn to take enjoyment out of beating people who maybe from the outside in people would be like, oh, he can't beat him, you know, this guy can't be faster than him. This guy isn't smarter than him. This guy is not going to win that race against him. Um, and I really, you know, I think around high school locked into that idea that like, you know, there will come a point where you'll have your opportunity to strike and like pull ahead. And, you know, maybe you never get that, that moment where you learn to enjoy that, but I can recall these specific moments where I'm like, oh, it feels good. It feels good to win. You yeah. Know? And especially I mean, when people have doubted you. <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I wonder, you know, that's got to transition now professionally into where you're going where, where you are today, obviously. Yeah. And then where you want to go. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. Now you're, seeing, with, you're not living yeah. for today. You're not living for tomorrow. You've got a strategy. You, you can look at it, break it down and go, Oh, this is going to be a, a shitty hard growth experience here, but if yeah. I can overcome it and learn and own yeah. it, I mean, I think that's the other thing. People, 
when I was starting this podcast, I didn't know what an RSS feed was. I didn't know anything. Yeah. I wasn't going to let anyone do the work but me. Yeah. Because I had to know. Yeah. I can't rely on someone who if they get sick or I annoy them, then I'm shut down. I yeah. can't live in that world. Yeah. I've got, I, I've got to not have control, but I've got to know what's going on. I've got to know enough about what's going on. Yeah. But I can work the soundboard if I'm doing it live, that I've got the right mics, I got the right setup, I know how to convert video to audio, audio to audacity, drop in the music, clean it all up, put it on, you know, distribute all of those things. And like, well, it's taken a little too long. Great. I don't care. I'm right. not the sharpest crayon in the box. I'm not. Yeah. But damn, if you're not going to give me the fucking respect I deserve because I'm going to learn it. You, maybe you got to the top, but you've got a team of nine, right? Right. I've got a team of one. I can build my team of nine. You yeah. can't live without your team of nine. Right. That's a really cool idea too. And, and I also think that like, that makes me think of how all your successes, like, they're calibrated against what you know you've been through, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of people like to go, oh, you know, whatever criticism, you know, like I said before, you're a failed actor, your views aren't high enough. And it's like, you don't realize, like, I'm proud of every single view that I get on my podcast, you know, because my expectation is zero. You know, like yeah. the worst case scenario is zero. The worst case scenario is I book no acting job. So everything on top of that um, is a bonus. And you don't get to decide what I'm going to be happy about. You know, I'm happy about every person that, that comments or reaches out or says that I've affected them in some way. That is so much more important to me than a number or whatever you're uh, coming to my page to say, you know, to, to find some arbitrary metric by which to criticize me. But furthermore, especially with the podcasting game, it's like, you do have to bite the bullet and go like, I'm going to suck at this at first. I'm totally aware <laughs> of that. Like, and, and guess what? I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, I'm going to continue to mainly like be consistent and just try to get better each time in some vector, much like, you know, working out where it's like, I may not PR in every single way, every single time, you know, but I could add something here. I could take a little less rest or do a little bit more weight or, you know, push a little bit harder, like find that one little thing to improve upon. And then when you look back at the end of a year, you will have made improvements. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that's what I think of now. Yes. As, you know, specifically in terms of podcasting, it's like, um, it can be rough. Like I remember like first, like listening to myself, like talking like, Oh God, like, ah, no, I didn't say that. Did you like, you know, um, but you force yourself to do it you force yourself to listen and, uh, acknowledge where you need to improve and then try to do a little bit each week. And then, you know, my eyes are on where will I be three years from now? hopefully much better at this, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and in the meantime, if I can reach some people and, and uh, you know, spread a little bit of good information and encouragement, that's, you know, those are the wins that will keep me going along the way. Um, but yes, there is this, a long-term plan that, that you don't have to know. Like, you, don't, you know, nobody else has to know what I'm thinking in my head um, uh, for me to chart my own progress and be and be happy with that, but you know, if if you think you're going to come to my page and <laughs> shit on me for some arbitrary metric, it's like, oh man, you don't even know how little I give a fuck about you know you trying to say I'm insufficient in X Y Z way. So yeah, it's 
you know, it's uh, I, I agree with you. And and if you're finding, you know, if you're one of those haters out there to use that term and you are, you're finding a weak person that you're impacting, like, right. Yeah. It, you're, and I, I, not, I don't mean to call them weak as far as like they're bad people. It's just, you know, they're, but if you find that person and you are impacting their lives in a negative way, let's say, uh, Hey man, fuck you. Why yeah. are you, why are you finding weak people to go after? Why do you right. think that's okay? And, yeah. you know, I mean, okay. You didn't get me. Oh, you didn't get Mark. Yeah. Ooh, but you got, you got 2020 Tom over here. You know, it's, it's right. like, why? What, what? Right. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is people will also be like, like somebody called me uh, having high functioning Asperger's the other day. And I'm like, like, that's not true, you know, but like, like it could be, I wouldn't give a shit. It's like, oh, that's a devastating dish. But like, what it's also saying is, so you're coming to attack me on the premise that I have a, like, uh, like I'm not neurotypical, like, like I have like a disability, so to speak, like I'm, <laughs> I'm autistic, but you're talking shit to me online. <laughs> like what kind of person do, you're like, the, you know, what, kind of, what does that say about you that you're, you know, if all these things were true, that mm -hmm. I'm stupid you know, that uh, I'm so insecure that I've had facial surgery, which is always like this accusation from other men, you know, and it's like, okay, what? so like, you think I have body dysmorphia and I'm super insecure and I'm retarded, but you're also attacking me online. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's your mode. Like, so um, again, yeah, to, to reiterate what you're saying, fuck those people, because ultimately it's like, it's like your worldview is so toxic. And I do think you need to push back against those people because I can withstand that, but I want to expose you and make you think about doing it to other people because, yep. you know, if you're, if you're trying to be a bully, I just don't stand for that shit. And it, it, like, people will often say like, well, why don't you just ignore it? It's like, cause fuck that man. Like, I don't think ignoring bullies works. That's like what you've been fed as a kid. Like just ignore the bully. Fuck that dude. Cause they don't keep coming back. Like eventually when I talk shit to these dudes, like they embarrass themselves and then keep getting mad and they'll either go away or get more desperate. And I can just point that out and be like, you know, you're like, I pissed you off before because I pointed out what a fucking idiot you are. And now you're just like, you're, you're coming to my page emotional, you know, and I can tell you're upset and you've like, you say you hate my podcast, but you've, you know, I can click on your little icon on YouTube and see that you've commented 93 times in the past four episodes, like crazy, you know? Um, yeah. And I'll just point out, I'll point out those facts to make them uncomfortable that it's like, you know, your words and your behavior doesn't match because you say you hate my podcast, but here you are commenting relentlessly with information from the podcast that tells me that you watch the podcast. So, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> and the bully thing's right, man. Like I just, I have such a disdain. I was bullied as a kid. I was a little fat kid. I was bullied. Uh, I was insecure in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and it, and it, I remember the, my daughter was in pre-K, had her hair in a ponytail, kids spit on her and said, I like it when your hair's down, like another pre-K kid. So yeah. I go to the teacher, talk to the teacher, happens again the next day, go to the assistant principal, happens again the next day. And, you know, I always tell my kid, I'm like, hey, listen, you tell me what's wrong, I'll fix it. And yeah. I will. But I'm trying to play by the rules as nice as I can. Right. Yeah. Well, third day comes around. I call all of my friends at every news agency in Austin, I tell them what's going on. And I give them the phone number to the head of the Austin school district. I say, why don't you ask him why they're allowing bullying for pre-K? Because her right. ignoring it is not the answer. Correct. Now I can tell her to throat punch him. 
Like I always, I always <laughs> told my daughter and, and I, and I tell this to everybody, I'm like, ladies, if you're out there, don't kick him in the balls. Don't yeah. touch that chest that they're puffing out gently yeah. and then throw your hand up into their throat as hard as you can. And guess what? Yeah. You can walk away. Hell, you can probably take a shit on their head and then yeah. walk away. And right. so I'm like, I go, hey, Harper, this is what you do. And she's like, dad, I don't feel comfortable hurting this guy. You know, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Well, I asked for a meeting with the principal. Principal says, no. I grab the vice principal and I'm holding my daughter's hand. And I said, you know the alphabet? We teach it to the kids. We're on letter C. Your phone's going to ring soon. I'm willing to go to Z to stop a bully. Yeah. Are you willing to stop at C to stop a bully? I'm just curious. And she's like, you need to calm down. And I said, no, it's my kid. I'm not calming down. And it's a bully. Yeah. And it, it's spit. It's fucking gross. Right. There's, and there's so much wrong with it. Yeah. So much wrong. And all of a sudden, phone ring, phone rings. And what does the principal do? First, doesn't instantly ask for a meeting. If you try to bring news cameras here to call out bullying, I won't let you on campus. And I said, oh, so you're going to bully no. me for stopping bullying. Right. I said, you know what, lady, you're yeah. very, I'm sure you're very smart. God bless you. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. I, let's not play the game. Dust off your PR person. Let's have a good time. Yeah. Like that. Right. That's amazing. And I love that approach because it's like, um, what I'm sensing from that is like, and this is, I've worked in many schools, um, you know, as a, as a tutor, a teacher, um, you know, sub teacher. And I really don't like the environments. Like I would be almost like be a teacher, you know, if it's like, oh God, I hate these, like, you know, the sort of like, for lack of a better word, feminized environments um, mm -hmm. where like sometimes, you know, confrontation is the answer and a good ass whooping is, is an answer. Or if you can't do that as a principal, it's like scare the living shit out of this kid just short of you know, something that you could be fired for because this is such a major problem and it's going to affect like your daughter could be, you know, still potentially, even though it was solved, remembering this for the rest of her life and looking back, it's like, you know, I was bullied and spit on as a kid. Horrific. But what it goes to show you is this person's trying to do their job with the least amount of effort and resistance possible. You know, the only metric that, that they're looking at the situation through is, What's going to make my day harder? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so the moment you were, they realize their day is going to get hard. Then they start threatening you. Like, like, you know, it's like, Hey man, if, if those cameras come on campus, me being on campus is going to be the least of your concerns. <laughs> you know, like you're going to be a, you're going to be a pariah in the state. Um, and that information will be online for the rest of your life. And I just think it's brilliant to be able to like, you know, escalate those, those tactics. Um, because yeah, unfortunately you can't just like, you know, cause your, your first instinct might to be to go to that kid who's bullying and like look them in the eye and be like, don't ever fucking touch my kid again. But you can't do yeah. that, I guess. I can't, you know? I can't pick the little bastard yeah. up and be like, Hey, yeah. fuck nuts. Yeah. No. Even though that's exactly what he needs. And it's like, you don't have to hurt the kid to put the fear of God in, Yeah, you know, but, um, and that's what should be happening. But, and I felt bad for every other parent out there where this happens and yeah. they look at their little boy or little girl and they go, I talked to the teacher. Yeah. I talked to the assistant principal. I talked to the yeah. principal. Honey, we're trying our best. And guess yeah. what? That parent is trying their best. I yeah. just live in a different world. So I exercise my flex, if you will, differently. I want to go yeah. in and be like, no, 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 no. And by the way, if I hear this from another parent, I'm going to do the same thing. Because yeah. 
not everyone has like, you know, not everyone has the resources that you and I may have. And that's okay. Yeah. But you got to know that there's people like you and I out there that are here to help. We're, yeah. we're, we're here to give insight and, and, and advice and, and as, as well as being humble, knowing how to be yeah. humble. You know, I think that's the other big missing factor in, in the world we live in today. No one wants to be humbled. Don't, yeah. I'm not going to admit I'm wrong. I'm not going to admit I fucked up. And I'm not going to put myself in a position to be humbled. And whether right. it's athletics or work or trying something new, it's humbling. Yeah. You got to do right. it. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's one of the most important things you can do. And I, I um, a book that Chappelle actually got for me called Ego is the Enemy. It's so much of that. So many problems in life come from, you know, like we hear the word humble and humility and I'm humbled by this and I'm just so humble, but it's like, it really is sort of like the opposite of egotism. And we see how like these, these, uh, if you have an out of whack ego, uh, you know, an inflated ego, any sort of ego issue, it really clouds your judgment in everything, you mm -hmm. know, and only, only through, uh, humility can we see the world accurately, you know, and see ourselves as other people see us, which I think is so foundational, like having healthy relationships, because how can you be in a relationship with somebody like seeing yourself as differently than everyone else sees you and specifically seeing yourself as much better or more capable or special than you really are, you know, um, it just creates this like imbalance as far as, you know, are we, are we standing on the same ground or, or, or you think you're on a mountain? And like, you think I'm down here and like, you think you just like, <laughs> you think you can just spit on me whenever you want and that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's going to be an issue. And for that kid, even, you know, it's like, it's not just about your daughter. It's about the kid who's doing the bullying. It's like, he's going to learn this lesson one way or another. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you want this kid to be a bully for the rest of his life and have some, like, like end up in jail or have some rude awakening where like, you know, uh, nobody's his friend. He doesn't get like, that, that can only go down a certain path. You know what I mean? He's going to be burning bridges for the rest of his life. Like that bullying shit doesn't fly at some point, you know, it always catches up with you and you're going to develop a reputation um, for just being a terrible human. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and nobody will want to be around you and you're going to be, you know, unhappy for the rest of your life and not realize like, you know, cause like, people who are still bullies as adult and don't realize it. It's like, they're not happy. They don't have a lot of friends or they, they constantly are running through friends. And like, if they knew what was going on, they would fix it, but obviously they don't, you know? And so giving a kid the gift of self-awareness at a young age, I think is, is paramount as well. You it's, know, it's and, crucial. It's absolutely crucial. I, we're, we're coming close to the end of the film here. I got, I got two, two other things. I just want to, I want to run by please. One. Sure thing. Uh, when, when it's all said and done, when Mark is, is left, the, he's taken his last trip around the sun, mm -hmm. how do you want to be remembered? Another great question. Um, I do, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, uh, when my dad passed away at the age of 59, a lot of things that I heard from other people were like the special impact that he had on, on their lives, you know, that like he <clears throat> made their day and somebody like, like, you know, a friend of mine who I'd like, you know, stories that like, I'd be friends with this person. And I still didn't know the story about how my dad had affected my friend or my cousin, like in-law or something like that. But he, one thing he would do is um, he would send newspaper clippings of like relevant stories to people. Um, like, like if you had an interest in like, you know, Taekwondo, he would like, like see something in a magazine or, and he would like mail it to you. Right. That's so like awesome. 
I would find all these people were coming up to me at his funeral because um, I eulogized them and, and telling me like, um, and I had my own special connection. Specific, actually, it's funny enough, like with movies, um, like like I really bonded with him when I started getting into movies after I graduated uh, college. Like I was living at home for a couple of years and we would go see movies together. And like, and actually funny enough, the, the last movie we saw before he died was called World's Greatest Dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with Robin Williams. Yeah, it's crazy. And we also saw Robin Williams perform together twice randomly. Like we went to the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley and he and Robin Williams lived in the Bay Area. And he like twice we were there, just like expecting to see no name comics, you know, on a Tuesday evening. And Robin Williams dropped in twice. So it's like this really special connection. And I like, I'm big into the Myers-Briggs personality archetype test and they have the same personality type. So my dad was kind of like this, this natural, like improv, like entertainer, storyteller kind of guy. Um, but like, again, because you might look at him and go like, oh, he's trying to be the center of attention. And if we go to a family function, he's telling a story and he's got a great voice and people are listening to him. But it's like, he didn't thrive off that. You know, what he thrived off of was like these interpersonal connections or he'd see like, somebody at um like he went to St. Ignatius High School in San Francisco and he'd see somebody like a kid with like SI gear at like the supermarket and he'd like within like five questions he would figure out that they had some mutual contact you know what I mean like um he was just he he was interesting to see that a guy even though you wouldn't look at him and go like oh he wasn't like famous or something like that like he made a big impact on his community he became the voice of my high school um through uh announcing so like his dad was an abusive alcoholic as well um, and kind of like shit on his dreams to uh, like to be to go into broadcasting. Right. And so he never pursued that. But later in life, like when we started playing sports, he would do like the football announcing and the basketball and he became like the go to guy, you know, and people really liked him for that. And so like you saw a lot of individuals being like, like, I didn't really know that he had this impact and just people in the community. And so. I think about that and go like beyond, like I do want to have a body of work with acting and writing and different things like that, that people can enjoy that express my thoughts um, on things. And I think I'll be accomplishing that even just, you know, having the podcast that I've done now, you get to like hear me think out loud about things, but I know that I want to, at the end of my life, have all those people in my community and whether that's a physical community or an online community that reaches, you know, across the globe, um, I would like to think that I made a positive impact on people uh, in that community by offering what I can offer because, you know, I, I don't have everything, but it's like, the reason I talk to people on the street is because like, I have this information and I can tell you, you know, how to work out your chest tomorrow or whatever. And I'm giving that away for free and that feels good. And, I, you know, I'd like to do that as much as I can afford, you know, could I do that 24 hours a day? No, but like, I want to maximize like, what I'm giving away in other words. And hopefully that comes back to me in material success in other ways. But like, as you can probably tell, I'm not in a rush to monetize everything I do, yeah. you know, but I do want to make sure that I impact people. And I think that does come back to you, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, if you don't fuck it up, but I, I would love, you know, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is like, I, 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 you know, I want to have my metaphorical newspaper clippings. And I think I kind of accomplished that through like when people DM me and I can like write them or say, Hey, here's my text, like keep in touch. And I do have these people that I keep in touch who I've never met with before, but they've hit me up on Instagram with a question. And I go, Hey, let's take it to the text. So I, you know, you don't get buried in my messages and um, you know, I can just guide you through whatever I have this information. I want you to succeed. And it doesn't cost me more than a few minutes a week. Sure. You know, I can give that to you and I'd like to, keep doing that for as long as I can do it, you know?
to, nice. to offer what I have. And, and because, you know, I hope that other people do the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your, uh, your ideal dinner. Who's uh-huh. at the table? Uh, there's some really interesting thinkers that come to mind. Um, probably somebody like a Sam Harris or Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens, I think, has one of the best voices of all time, too. Um, and his expansive knowledge of history and combined with the fact that, you know, his wit is so incredible. I think that would be my ideal conversational partner. You know, somebody else that comes to mind would be like Nikola Tesla, you know, but it's like, he would probably be too smart for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd probably be like, like, I don't know, like, I'd want to hear about how he came up with these brilliant inventions, but at the same time, like, it would probably be over my head. Whereas I know if I talked with Christopher Hitchens, it would, it would at bare minimum be entertaining and enlightening because we could talk about, you know, like he could explain things to me about history or just, you know, also, um, you know, take a contrarian position on anything. And I think that's the the type of conversation that I enjoy with somebody. And that's why I love hanging out with stand-up comedians because it's all about having like, what's your original take on something that's happening? And, uh, you know, how can you relate that back to some historical issue like that, you know, when he came out with like, why women aren't funny, even though that's not what the article really was saying, but it's like, you know, it was like a, you know, an evolutionary evaluation of like why men are incentivized to create humor more so than women. But people sure. would latch on a headline and respond to like something that he isn't even saying. But I was like, I always just loved his ideas and loved that he had the balls to be like, I'm going to write an article saying why women aren't funny and take all the heat, you know, and not like back down or apologize or, or change what I'm saying and just be like, yep, I said what I said. And you can read the article again if you didn't get it the first time. So <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, it's, it's true, too. It's a I was. I was reading an article about that, you know, why women are more, there aren't more stand up comics for women, or why women aren't funny. And I think about the yeah. way I raised my daughter. You know, she burps. Yeah. I'm like, hey, man, you know, I, 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 I got her a sticker. I put it on her, on her, uh, on her little workbook from her school. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's okay to fart. Because mm-hmm. there was a couple of times I'm like, hey, man, why do we really have to rip ass right now? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're hanging right. out. Whereas if yeah. it was a little boy, yeah, and he farted, I'd be like, it better stink. If it doesn't stink, yeah. you're wasting my time. Right. You know, There's a lot of socialization pressures. And because like, I, I'm sure we both know many, many, many funny women. It's just the incentives are different. Guys yeah. use comedy to get laid. Like yeah. it's not that women can't be funny there. I know so many brilliant, you know, uh, female comedians, but it's like, there's massive incentives for women to be more feminine and more docile and be like, you know, if you want to get married, like be as feminine as, and same with guys. It's like, you want to get laid, be as masculine as possible. You know, yeah. um, you don't have to be like, you can, you know, you can be gender neutral or whatever, like, but if your incentive is to get laid, like that's why this whole like alpha male coaching kind of, you know, aspect of like YouTube and, and how to be more manly is, is uh, uh, you know, you can, you can become very popular sort of catering to, to guys who want to be more masculine because, Guys want to fuck. <laughs> you yeah, know? They do. And you know, it's like, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I've now just gotten over it. Now I'm like, if I find it funny and my kid finds it funny, I don't give a fuck. I told the other yeah. day, it's like, dad, what's a fart? Uh, and without even thinking and instantly regretting what I said, I go, oh, that's just your poop burping. And, <laughs> and she's just like, okay. 
someone farted in class and she goes, don't be embarrassed, it's your poop burping. And the teacher's like, yeah. hey, like, the fuck are you teaching your kid, man? I'm like, be funny. Like, you know, just yeah. find that piece of wit, but also drop it so dry and just so yeah. sincere to people that they hold yeah. on to it. You know, like yeah. another eight-year-old yeah. hears it and is like, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's true. Well, you know, it, it's something you have to think about as a dad because like, you know, the funny women I know have always had dating problems because guys want to be the funny one. Like, I'm not intimidated by funny women because it's like, yeah, I don't like, I can be funny. You can be funny. Like I want to laugh with somebody, but a lot of guys, if you're around a, a girl who's funny, it's like, Oh shit. She's trying to like be funnier than me or whatever. Or a lot of guys are uncomfortable with that. So by encouraging that you are, there is a trade-off. It's like, okay, if you want to sure. be like, if you want to be like this perfect feminine little princess married off, like, sure. Don't ever make any jokes and come, hee -hee. Um, you know, you could promote that if your end goal is to have your daughter married off as quickly and efficiently as possible. <laughs> I don't think that is, you know, if, it, if it's a matter of like encouraging her to be herself, then yeah, you have to like, you know, let go of some of that, uh, you know, sort of a feminine ideal uh, as far as, you know, trying to train your kid to behave a certain way. But I think it's all good. It's like, you know, but just know that like, yeah, like not everybody is into funny women, you know, yeah. not everyone wants to, 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 to think that women are funny at all. I think we both happen to totally accept the fact that lots of women are funny, but there's still a lot of guys out there who <laughs> do not like that notion, you know? Um, and God bless them, you know, uh, to each their own. And uh, hey, it is, it is what it is. You know, I, um, I like to, to, to close out with this, you know, as we're uh, at the end of the films coming up here, you know, food, you can go buy some bread and get mold. You can go buy an avocado, pesky little fuckers. And it's never ready. When you're ready to eat it, it's rotten. Cool thing is we can go back and buy that stuff again and try it out. Time's the one thing we never get back. It's the one thing, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much money you have, no matter how many accomplishments you've achieved, time's the one thing you just, you, you can't. And it always humbles me. And it's always uh, amazing to me that someone who doesn't know me from Adam would spend time with me would, you know, would, would just, would, would take this run and, and, uh, you know, spend two hours talking and kind of hit on the movie and really not, and just talk about life and open up and share about, you know, personal items and everything else. Uh, it, it, it always blows my mind. It, uh, it really does. So honestly, uh, Mark, I, I can't thank you enough for, for doing, it. I mean, folks, we don't know each other, you know, it's, you know, uh, <laughs> that's true. I don't even know what you look like. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm privileged, uh, you know, to uh, to spend the time with you, and I think more importantly, what it says about you is what you've said throughout this whole thing, which is you want to give back, you want to help people, you want to share your thoughts, you 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 want, you're about creating a better world, yeah, in a positive way, and um, you know, so uh, thank you. What you're very welcome, and I'll I'll say this to finish off is. I have many things that I've done in my life that I regret, but having a good long form conversation, I don't think I've regretted once. So, you know, I've learned from that, uh, that although you're not always in the mood and I'm waking up at 6.30 and-, and Yeah, you uh, got up early, brother. <laughs> you know, not necessarily the first thing that I choose to do on a given weekday, but I know like exercise, at the end of this, I'm gonna be happy that I did it. 
And that's the case here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. Tell everybody once again where they can find you, where they can grab your stuff, all that. Yes. At Helen Mark Harley on Instagram and all other platforms. And my podcast is Haters Will Say on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So check it out. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And if you have any questions about fitness or life in general, please reach out. I do my best to get back to everyone. It's sort of impossible, but I try to screen for the, the good, juicy questions. So hit me up. I love it, brother. Well, thanks so much. Congratulations on your continued success. And uh, man, it's been a real pleasure to, to get to know you and, and to talk with you. And you know what a, what a great movie to pick, uh, especially for the, the topics that we hit on. So, so thank you very much again. Likewise. And uh, have a wonderful rest of the day and have a great weekend. You too, man. And I hope we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Take Bye. care.